Cool. This is the Copper Crab Podcast. I'm Cheney Crab. I am Naveen Copperweiss. If you would like to buy Copper Crab merch, then go to uh, www.coppercrab.bigcartel.com. If you want to buy merch from our band, Entheos, then you can grab that at entheosstore.com. Today on the podcast, our guest is Thomas Leon, our comedian podcasting friend who we met at a metal show, which is kind of funny. Mm, see, because I think I met you at stand-up. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. And we're both right. Yeah. We're both it right. was a metal show that also was a uh, an open mic, and I think y'all were more talented than us that night. Did y'all end up, were y'all playing? No, no, no. We were just like, We didn't play. I see. Yeah, because you got there like toward the end of the show, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was right. winding down. I well, I was outside waiting for all the scary people to leave, and then I uh, and I showed up. Yeah. Yeah, it was a. This band from California called The Last of Lucy was mm. playing. What was the name of the bar? I can't remember. Twin Kegs too. Twin Kegs, yeah. Yeah, they're closing actually. That's what I've heard. I heard. They've I incubated heard. comedy for like six years. They were the only open mic open during the pandemic, and then well, there's one other that shouldn't be mentioned, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful spot where a lot of crimes I think occur. They had one metal <laughs> show and that was it. Really? Yeah. Shut the venue down. Must be. Yeah. No, I'm just That's why. I don't know. Yeah, no, they, they're marks. That's why they're like, we've drawn in the, yeah. the Satanists now. Yeah. It's over. It's over. The next <laughs> morning, it was just circled by Christian ladies praying. <laughs> yeah. Like fucking yeah. splashing holy water. I actually really liked going there. The uh, yeah. drinks were like so next cheap. to free. Yeah, dude. Uh, like $1.50 PBR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'll get fucked up there. The bartender will be like, yeah, I think it's four bucks. I'm yeah, like, yeah. How? Yeah, yeah, they had a cat. They had a bar cat, too. Yeah, yeah the bar, bar cat's cat. the coolest. Uh, when I'm around it, I'll shove it now in uh, the pool table. There's a little, like, where you get the white ball at the pool table. I just push him into the little box. <laughs> and then he pokes out. And you can kind of, like, play with it with, like, your finger. And he'll kind of, like, swipe out through it. It's very cute. When he pokes out of the... The, the little hole, yeah. <laughs> in the uh, on the pool table? No. Uh, oh, oh, where you get you the ball? The ball it, yeah, on the okay, sidewall. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, really like, cute. There. Yeah, it, yeah. That place is special, and it's uh, shutting down, which is sad. Um, there's a lot of uh, like open mic comedy is so fragile that because no no rational people want comedy in their place. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like a show, sure, but an open mic where like a homeless dude might take a shit on stage. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we, at least with music, you know someone's bad because they can't play the instrument. Like <laughs> you're not sure if this guy's a genius or out of his mind for yeah, like 45 yeah. seconds. <laughs> like, but he's not going to just hand you the microphone, you know? So right, that's like, a beautiful place and it's closing. So, so, so that <clears throat> night that we went to was an open mic that happened every single week right yeah yeah and i don't know why y'all stayed but y'all had like a good uh, time I think we were right? just hanging out well didn't we meet you we met you before <laughs> yeah before the show started, i convinced you to stay i was like uh, oh yeah yeah i was like yeah. trust me yeah, and i'm just yeah. lying the whole time <laughs> yeah yeah which also you had the, ki the kill tony thing though <laughs> so we started talking and i do like i'm not i wouldn't say that i'm the biggest comedy fan but i'm a huge comedy podcast fan yes i yeah. listen to a ton of podcasts and Kill knows Tony, all the inner workings of uh, everything of comedy yeah because of, because of podcasting not oh, because i'm the a same too you know it, yeah and uh, you know i th i think there are a lot of things that we have in common like the metal becoming a a 
metal band doing the thing touring around like we have a lot in common with comedians so i've always just been fascinated by that whole scene yeah but uh so when you started talking about kill tony i was like all right no then and we were like i was like dude i fucking recognize that guy yeah because we watch kill tony like every week here yeah y'all are i've been recognized like probably like 40 times in town yeah. and it's like the most random like i'll be out at a bar and like, and it's never like attractive women, you know, yeah. it's always like, it's always like some guy that's like on his own. At yeah. the bar. <laughs> and he's like, like I know you. And it's like, okay, I need you to leave. <laughs> I'm trying to talk to a hot chick. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I did kill Tony. It was a lot of fun. I, we were talking about this a little bit before, but like, uh, I rewatched it, uh, a couple, I think I rewatched it yesterday and I, I watch it like, once every six months or so <laughs> just to like m re understand what i've done to myself because like stand up for any of y'all who don't know like stand up is like it's literally talking with no filter and hoping it's funny yeah. and kill tony is a huge podcast that like more than a million people watch now it's insane and you just get eviscerated by it's like yeah. just hordes of youtube comments about like that guy's definitely gay right yeah. and i'm like i, I don't know pal <laughs> and then but, it's kind of like you're the shark bait like they kind of want you they, they, the the panel kind of wants you to do bad mm. uh, and then just so they can tear you apart yeah. Like I've noticed that sometimes, like, the regulars will do what I would consider to be, like, worse than someone out of the bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, then, and then Tony, like, won't be paying attention. He'll be like, oh, fuck, that was great. We killed it again. And then I'm like, yeah. dude, if a, if a bucket person, like, someone who gets pulled out of the bucket did what they just did, they would have just got, like, crucified. Eviscerated, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a weird dichotomy of, like, f like um, there's... Two things at play. One thing at play is, like, what is Tony and the panel's perception of you that's going to color how the interview goes? And I'm not an <laughs> ugly person. I'm not saying I'm, like, super hot. But uh, <laughs> I'm not ugly, and uh, I'm pretty reckless. And I think the combination of that, like, creates a certain, like, personality um, that either gels or doesn't with the panel. And I knew that going into it. And so I felt like... In the movie Gladiator, there's a scene in, in Gladiator where the old uh, gladiator is talking to Maximus about what to do, how to gain his freedom. And he said, win the crowd and you'll win your freedom. And so, like, Tony <laughs> is Joaquin Phoenix, you know, being like, kill this bitch. Yeah, yeah. And, like, but if the crowd is chanting, Maximus, Maximus, then you can't die. And so, and I'm kind of a crowd work comic too like i'm not great at crowd work because the, the local scene kind of discourages it so there's not a lot of opportunity just to practice it but i am on a show march 1st doing crowd work only so if you're interested in, in nashville come. where's that at uh it's at third coast comedy club all right we should go yeah we yeah. have oh to my go God, please come, yeah, please yeah. come. I, yeah watch me say crazy things i actually <laughs> really like crowd work comedy i don't know i don't know how comedians feel about it but it's I do too. It's really I funny. think it can be great, especially in real life. Like it's it is cool to see that comedian audience interaction. Just yeah. so you, it's like you know breaking the third wall, and yeah. I enjoy that about it. Were you and at you the know, Eric Griffin it's, it's show? Scripted. But, but no, I wasn't okay. there because he did like I think it was like forty five minutes of just like all right, what's going on over here? Like what's up at this table? And it was like the funniest part Dude, of I, his crowd work, fucking set. It was so funny. Crowd work gets shit on, but it is. Um, 
it is one of the most impressive things. Like, you, there, there's two levels to it. Like, like one level is like, uh, hey, are you guys a couple? A uh, couple of douchebags, you know? It's <laughs> yeah. like, like, just like these, these, it's premeditated. And then the other is this investigation. It's like, what do you do? Oh, you're a carburetor mechanic? Like, yeah. what the fuck is a carburetor? And then you, all of a sudden, you're in this weird new space that no one going there tonight the performer included thought they'd be in yeah and that 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 is shared and never to be replicated is special i saw the the most impressive crowd work uh i've ever seen was this comedian named ian bag he's like this british guy you know Mm -hmm. ian bag yeah he did zanies and the next night he did a local show um and he was almost autistic i didn't know the guy and but when i was around him he was just like very standoffish like not very charismatic and then he went on stage, and it's 60 people, you know, 8 to 10 wide, as many rows deep. And he spends the first five minutes talking to the two ladies up in the front left, and no one's laughing. And if that, that was me, I'm an open mic comedian who's getting stage time now, and so I do everything in five-minute bits. So it's like, for five minutes, if I didn't get a single fucking laugh, I'd commit suicide. <laughs> and he's doing an hour and he's not getting any laughs for five minutes. Everyone's just awkward and like, what is happening? And then he finally got a laugh with these two ladies. And then he moves on to the next group. And after three minutes, he gets a laugh. And then he moves to the third group. And after one minute, he gets a laugh. And then after that, I swear to God, it is laugh after laugh after laugh after laugh with everything he said. And it's this idea that you have to like trust yourself to establish the relationship over time. And if you don't waver you're fine yeah. it's all about that and that's a it was a it was a profound lesson in like crowd work or whatever because wow. yeah i mean you get five minutes and sometimes everyone's tired and no one's listening to you and the, you do this joke that last time you told it it crushed and now they're like what yeah it's <laughs> like it's so it's so fun but yeah yes. honestly doing uh comedy to me is like my worst nightmare yeah the most intimidating Karaoke thing possible is mine. Really? Oh my karaoke? god! Karaoke? Uh, dude, if you have, if I yeah, have to I know, sing too, words, <laughs> I, I got over it though. I did it. You I did karaoke because I found the perfect song in my range. What is it? It's uh, <laughs> Hank Three, Country what? Heroes. Okay. So I was like probably ten, I'd say probably ten to fifteen drinks deep. <laughs> oh yeah, it was. And I was, was like, um, let's fucking go. It was and two o'clock. We actually knew the bar owner. And they were giving us free drinks and stuff. And he was doing the karaoke. Oh, okay. And he's like, and I'm looking through the book and I'm like, dude, I want to do karaoke for the first time. I'm like, first and only time. And then I'm like, you just have to go on YouTube and just like play. And he like went on YouTube and just played the song for me. Found the karaoke version or whatever. And you ripped it? Oh, I hella ripped it. It was great. Uh, it was fun, dude. I love doing <laughs> screaming karaoke because I know that if I do a screaming song that I'm going to go up there and blow some people's minds. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, I'm just like, I, I have this in my back yeah, pocket. I, okay. so I can just do that. Then Chaney gets up there. I got up after him. Literally everybody in the venue is crowd surfing her and like. <laughs> I was kissing babies yeah, after like, my, after my like, set. Okay, Baby yeah, doing the sucked. karaoke bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> up here. It was just Iowa, so dude. It was deep in Iowa. It was deep in Iowa, bro. There was <laughs> yeah, like, you never know. You know. That's wild. Toddlers, babies. But yeah, I mean, it's in- interesting to hear uh, your take on watching comedy. Because to me, I'm either like, that's funny, or my, I have two thoughts. That's funny, or man, I would hate to be up there. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately <laughs> what it is, for sure. Yeah. That's ultimately, like, um, 
I, I just rewatched one of my very first performances accidentally. I was cleaning out my phone <laughs> for storage and I saw the video and I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, dude, I got sick to my stomach. <laughs> like the way my voice sounded, the things I was choosing to talk about, like I was, I had this whole bit about drowning puppies and I was like, that's not going to work. Like, what yeah. was I thinking? Right. But yeah, uh, yeah. It's, that is um, a big thing is the way your voice sounds and how you're going to deliver the jokes. Because some comedians, their voice is just funny. So I never understood oh, yeah. how you, you come up, like you have to come up with jokes, but then you also have to come up with like a cadence or, you know, or, so or however think, you're going to do I that, right? That's what's fascinating is like, I think the cadence is natural. Like <clears throat> there's a certain rhythm, uh, like Richard Pryor is my favorite comic and there's almost a musicality to the people that I enjoy the most where it's like, even if you didn't speak English, you would feel a rhythmic nature to it that yeah. you would probably laugh. You're like, why am I laughing? I don't know Japanese, but they have you in that hypnotic kind of like arrangement. And then you hope that like your writing is actually really funny. But um, yeah, it just takes a lot of like reps to like learn what your voice is and like what you want to talk about. And like the audience is always teaching you like, I bet. yeah, it's like the, the metaphor for like musicians, they practice, 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 <coughs> and then they take what they've finished and they bring it on stage. Whereas like a comedian is like, you're tuning the audience in real time. So yeah. it's like the audience is the instrument. They hand you the instrument the day of, and not only do you have to play a song, but you have to tune it first and be like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. and then if they're <coughs> with you, then you can play the song and then you can get the feedback and be like, oh, okay, that's a good yeah. song. Or, uh, yeah, I think we've done more of that as we've been playing more and more shows. Like when you first start in a band, you're more just practicing and you're like i don't give a fuck what anybody thinks like i'm just gonna go up there and do my thing yeah. but then after you do so many tours and play so many shows you kind of start to notice what works and what people vibe yeah. to and stuff and you're like maybe we should do some more of that so i mean i think there is a little bit of crossover there yeah well there's always something different as well because you know you guys will go and open for other people we do the same exact thing we'll be put on tours where we're playing in front of audiences who have never heard of yeah. us oh, before. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. very true. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you, you learn something from every different kind of audience. Just being in a different area, it's a different audience. You know, yeah. some people, like when we're on tour in Europe, for instance, there are places in Europe where it's like they're watching theater. So they won't react. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's called Europe. It's called Europe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was uh, bad yeah. <laughs> But it's like, you know, they're reacting like they're watching theater. They're not going to mosh and crowd surf and do crazy shit and right. freak out the same way that they are going yeah. to. Americans freak Party. out. Party, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, way yeah. different. Yeah. So it's just you get out there, you play in front of audiences, you see what they react to, and it's. It, I feel like it is similar in the same way. However... Yeah. We do have things that we've like, yeah, rehearsed. Yeah. Like, I'm sort of hiding in a way. Like if the show just goes totally shit and I no can tell everybody how you feel. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, well, I'm still good at drums back here. So <laughs> whatever. Fuck it. Totally. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. yeah, I mean, just when I'm watching comedians live, I, I, I'm just like amazed by it. Even it's, at that, even at that show that we saw, you know, you were hosting and all those comedians and stuff. Some, some of them were really funny. Yeah. And, I, I don't know. I love it. It's just such a fun time. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird, um, it's a weird thing because it's like, it's stream of consciousness in a way. It's almost like a performance art. Like, um, like music is like you've premeditated and you're delivering this thing. Yeah. Like, like stand up is like, okay, I have this <coughs> chunk of clay 
and I'm going to make a sculpture in front of you. And some audiences are like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see you make this sculpture, which is building the joke. Like, whoa, you're building this beautiful sculpture. And it's not done yet, but I want to watch you work on it. And then other times you're working on it and people are mad at you. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck are you saying? And why are you ruining pool night? You know, and it's like a... Right. Like you just you're try, you're try, you try to get in front of fans. You try to get in front of like people who like stand up and are naturally interested. But so much of like the the forging of the joke is happening in the worst environment possible. Yeah, yeah. But that teaches you how to be like scrappy and how to like get people's attention. I remember I was on this show, and everyone's bombing on it, and because there's not a lot of people, it's a big venue, and there's like 15 people. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a nightmare room. And I was like, well, I can't just do my jokes. And so I go out there and I just go, uh, who voted for Trump? And it split the room immediately. Immediately there was tension in the room of like half the people. Seven like, people voted for Trump and yeah. seven didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And like, so it's like you're almost, I don't even know how to say it, but you're like, you're almost transacting in attention <clears throat> as the foundation. Then once you have the attention, then you have the attempt to make the jokes and like be comedic and stuff. But, yeah, I remember just, like, so much of it, you're just fighting to survive. And that's beautiful in a way. Like, you're so close to death with stand-up, which as metalheads, you guys probably like that metaphor, you perverts. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking gross little (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I think that's, uh, it's similar to music, but uh, where you you have to, I call it eating shit. You you have to eat shit for, like, 10 years or whatever. Yeah. And... Uh, I think it's kind of good in a way because it's like a barrier to entry. You know, not everybody can do it, and you you have to really fight and tough it out. Yeah. And like uh, Chaney and I talk about this a lot, just how similar kind of coming up as a comedian is. It's really similar to like underground metal because we're doing the same thing. We're ruining pool nights sometimes. You know, not anymore, but we you know we were. Ruining. I fucking made it. Shout <laughs> out to y'all. Y'all are yeah. I mean, we crazy. still have like a, a ways to go, but yeah, we're we're definitely. Got some traction. Fortunately, we're not ruining, like, the, the barbecue night. But we've had, like, when we first started touring, we played one day at a brewery, and, like, oh, yeah. I don't even think anybody there knew it was going to be, like, a metal show. And, yeah. and they just had it, like, outside. And there's a bunch of people out there eating barbecue with their kids <laughs> during the day. Oh, yeah. And it's we're like doing like, the most <laughs> offensive comedy possible, yeah, exactly, you know? Exactly. We're screaming in their faces. Yeah, and Chaney's like, up there, like, like oh, a singer's going to come up. And she's like, <laughs> And we're just like, oh. And it was like, oh, I just felt so bad. Yeah. I yeah. felt so bad. Yeah, yeah. We In comedy, we call that like, um, I don't remember. But uh, <laughs> you're just bombarding. You're just like, uh, <coughs> you're showing up at their night. Yeah. Yeah. To, to scream at them. And yeah. it is, I mean, truly, it is screaming sometimes. Like, at the open mics, probably like five, like, um, 10%, 10 to 20% of the comedians that do the open mics, they have this, like, screechy tone. It's this tone of, like, desperation and mental disease that, like, just, like, it it gets under people's skins and it, like, it drives people, it closes people off. Like, people who shout into the microphone or, like, there's so many, like, um, aesthetic choices that people make that just betray, like, the total lack of connection to... I'm always thinking about the audience experience. Like, how does the audience yeah, perceive yeah. me? <laughs> and um, how do I sound to them? Like, do they know it's safe? Do they know it's comfortable? Do they know it's playful? Um, but, yeah, I've also bombed, like, horrendously. Like, I, anytime I bomb, it's because I end up saying something really 
accidentally mean. Okay. And I know I don't mean anything I'm saying, but they yeah, get stuck yeah. on like, like what do you say? <laughs> right. Right. Oh, yeah. right. Right. And right. you're just it's a it's a nightmare. Well, I mean, when you're in those situations where people don't necessarily know who you are, yeah, it, you don't have the rapport to be oh, like, yeah. you know, oh no, th- like it's cool. I know this guy. He's my yeah. he's my buddy. It's it's fine. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I there was one time it was at Swing Kegs actually. I had just started stand up and um, and I always try and start with like a little bit of like commentary on either the room or the people. Like I like to call people hot and ugly. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's how you get on someone's good side right away. Yeah. Call them ugly. Hot, hot, hot. <laughs> Wealthy. (laughs) (laughs) I was, dude. I did this show. I did this show a few weeks ago for uh, Don't Tell Comedy. And uh, they're usually really, really good. Uh, Some of the best shows in town. And uh, I show up at this, like, uh, co-working space. that, And the entire audience is hot white ladies. Like, all attractive white women. And that is a nightmare. Like, you don't want to be speaking to the people you'd like to have sex with. Like, I want degenerate (laughs) folks... Who don't aren't judging me as a potential mate, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I go up on stage and I'm like, uh, like I'm gonna call an audible and do none of the jokes I wrote for you guys because my whole set is I'm a pervert and don't have sex with me. <laughs> and so I said that, and they laughed a little bit. And then I was like, you guys are all so hot. Well, most of you. And then there was one guy. There was like three guys total in the whole audience. And there was one guy. There was one guy I, I like isolated. And I was like, well, you obviously have money. And they liked that. And then I like riffed a little bit on like, like, like I, a lot of my jokes are about perversion and stuff. And I did a joke that didn't exactly land the way I wanted. And I was like, well, how many of you are Christians? Like I'm getting a Christian <laughs> and I smell a Jew like that. <laughs> And I was like, I'm kidding. I don't smell them. They're in the tunnel too deep. Like, and you just, I know, but you're just like, you're just, you're literally just conjuring shit. Like, it's just word vomit. You're just following the impulse. And it's like I said about that masterful crowd work comic of like five minutes, three minutes, one minute off to the races. It's like, eventually you're going to reconcile it. In the same way that when you write a song, you know, eventually you're going to get the chorus around and you're going to fucking, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, so why is crowd work so so Vilified. poorly looked upon? Why do people do? Uh, people because comics who are joke writers judge it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like if you're not good at something, you're going to be like, mm, that's not true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And, and then also a lot of like clips go that like comedically aren't the greatest, but it's just like you had a funny moment and you're capitalizing on it. So it's like, wait, so comedians are looking down on other comedians for becoming successful, having a viral moment. It's the Matt Reif phenomenon. Like a lot of people, a lot of like good comics don't like Matt Reif. They think Matt Reif is bad for stand up. And I don't have a dog in the race, but uh, I understand where they're coming from of like, you're just hot. And so people give you the benefit of the doubt, and then the moment is birthed from that benefit of the doubt, and yeah. you're able to be funny. Yeah, that's not as like impressive as someone who's like hideous and horrendous and makes a really funny joke about <laughs> like. There's this. I, I love this on Kill Tony uh, last night. There was uh, uh, this comic. I forget his name, and that's a bummer. But his joke. He goes on. 
And he says, uh, he says, uh, anytime I'm going to the bathroom, I see this sign that says, do not flush anything but toilet paper down these toilets. And he's like, well, what am I supposed to do with this huge load of shit I just made? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, that's good writing, you know? Like, yeah. that's yeah. like, you're taking, you're making a specific perspective on a general experience. And I don't know. I understand why people don't like crowd work, but it's different things. It's that's like, that's what I was going to say. It's just like different genres to me. You're, you're yeah. a good crowd work comic. Some people are really great comedians who are probably terrible at crowd work. You know? Yeah. I think, I mean, both are so fun. Like, like crowd work is like, if you ever like reconcile, I remember when I first like started comedy, I had this, I was out on tour with this guy. I was like a year in and I was in Alabama and I made a mistake and I was supposed to say my girlfriend, but I said sister. And so it was like this like sexual experience. And then I said sister and I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. And then some guy in the crowd was like, you are an Alabama brother. <coughs> and then I was like, I was like, oh, how long have you guys been related? And it was a couple. And then, the, and then I was like, if you guys kiss, I'm going to come. And it was just like this spur of the moment, the spur of the moment, like, Thing that just happened to me and that's beautiful and wonderful and like oh my god thank you god for your grace that i thought of funny things but <laughs> that's not the same as writing a really good joke and it just being a fucking bullet in the goddamn gun like bang bang and it's yeah, part yeah. of a larger act and so like you know i understand crowd work is beautiful and it's wonderful but like building an act and having something to say and it being meticulously crafted and like it's the sculpture it's the sculpture mm -hmm. thing that that to me is like really the art form in a in a sense or like it's what you know a lot of my favorite comics aspire for yeah yeah, yeah i understand that and you don't see comics that get huge who are doing crowd work no one on like louis ck's level is seems to be doing crowd work in an arena that i've seen yeah that's a really good point it'd be like, funny though I know it'd be interesting, right? Well, Matt you? Rife is kind of there. Like Matt Rife, I haven't is watched any like, Matt Rife in 15C. You know, uh, I hate yeah. to say this, but I've been hesitant to watch a Matt Rife yeah. special just because. Cheney's got her. She's down. She's allegiance. Yeah, I'm allegiance. I'm, like, I'm with guy. the comic it's allegiance. Not real uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this sort of but thing I don't. Happen. I've never even seen one of his viral clips. I just know that he's like the hot guy who goes on podcasts. Yeah, but but it goes back to that thing of like that that people give him the benefit of the doubt because he is attractive and like attractiveness is like a weird double edged sword of of stand up. But he has like he has like the most charisma of any comedian. And then you have someone like David Tell, who David Tell looks like just a guy you'd see on the subway. Yeah. And he's like one of the great comedic minds of a generation. Yeah, yeah he's so, funny. He's really fucking funny. So it's like, yeah, I mean, everyone's going to love Matt Rife. And afterwards, you know, Matt Rife is going to have a much longer line of people that want to take a photo of him. But it's not for the art form. You know, it's... It it's, sounds like people are salty. Well, that's also, is it just a gimmick <laughs> that's only, does it only matter right now? You don't really know. Because if he is a good comic then chance it, then he will stand the test of time right yeah yeah i don't see matt rife standing the test of time. <laughs> like i mean he's, he's great he's wonderful like that's an impressive skill it's like it's like seeing someone who can like this is this is it it's like seeing a uh, a bodybuilder that takes steroids and he can bench press 500 pounds mm -hmm. versus seeing a gymnast or a, or a or someone who does ballet it's like obviously one of those is just you were on steroids yeah, yeah. And you can do the thing. It's a very one-dimensional thing. But yeah. someone who can, like, string an act together and the whole thing is just beautiful dance. You're like, wow. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, we see it in music as well. There are, Definitely. like, there are 
gimmicks that that explode yeah. you know yeah. and people are very popular for an amount of time and everyone gets super jealous of them yeah or they, they sidestep like the hard like the quote-unquote hard work right or it so like when myspace came out there was a band uh job for a cowboy they in my opinion were like the first band to blow up on myspace yeah and like the dane cook of so they were they were really yeah. really young Sorry. like younger than even my band and we were only like fucking 20 when they came out and they didn't go on tour and they were bigger than like every band so it was like they just blew up off myspace and 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 everybody was salty the older people were salty because they're like oh well they didn't have to like you know pay their dues or whatever and they're kind every, of doing every, a gimmicky thing every blessing is a curse like yeah. uh there that happens in in comedy like we just had a uh, uncle laser on the podcast yeah i oh, listened yeah. to that yeah. And, yeah and and that was that's a it's like he's in the best place imaginable for a comedian who really loves it yeah uh because you get stage time as often as you want uh but he's in the worst place possible if you don't love stand up you know what i'm saying like you're in the you're in the public light you have all these opportunities people are looking at you and you can either like crush it and and level up or you're going to like yeah. be disintegrated by the mob and so it's like to to pop early is if you love it is a great blessing cuz it's going to make you great right but you have to kind of grow up in front of everybody and but it's like yeah yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's like like yeah, yeah. that's that's way better than like fucking being in open mics i know some comics who are some <laughs> of the funniest motherfuckers and they'll never make it they'll yeah, never yeah. get of out course. of the open mic scene and it's cuz they're not hot <laughs> I'm here all week. Folks. Sorry, sorry, your friends. <laughs> no, but like, like that. It, it, you know, it's like you're. What I try to stay like as my north star is loving the process of things. Yeah. Of you like, have you have to love the process. You have to. You have to get excited about a specific joke. You have to get excited about a specific tag. You have to get excited about a specific different way of saying a certain thing. And like love the structure, love the organization, love love the whole process of it, and then yeah. whatever comes is just bonus. Yeah, hundred like, percent. You know, but like, deep down, we're like, this sucks eating shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'll bomb now. Like, I bombed last night. Like I, and it's not a, a you know, it's not a bomb bomb, but it's like you you're trying to like light a forest fire. And sometimes you show up and it's been raining for a month. Yeah, and I like, know. there's no way I I'm, like, I I'm like, I just want to get a little heat tonight, but. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you try to avoid the painful bombs. I've had some really bad bombs, like, uh, yeah. bombs where you're like, everyone hates me and I hate myself. <laughs> where was your worst one? Oh, man. Okay, so this one's in the top three. Um, I was hosting the show. Someone reached out to me and we were like, we need a comic who can do 25 minutes unpaid. And I was like, no one's going to do that. What about five sets of five unpaid, but like newer comics get some spots? And so we decided to do that. And a good comic, Amber Autry, was going to like headline it. And they agreed to that. And it's at this hippie's house. It's a house party. <laughs> they, they have like a little acoustic singer songwriter show before. Oh, no. And I it's did already mushrooms. getting off to a bad foot. <laughs> <laughs> I did mushrooms and was hosting. And. Amber, who's like a really good comic, she's like one of the best in town. She was like, hey, I have to leave for another gig, so I need to go first. And I was like, so I host and do my time, and then you go? And she goes, no, I just need to go up immediately. And they're like taking their time to go. Wait, was she the big comic? Yeah, she was supposed oh, to go at the end, but man. she had to go first. 
and, and she fucked you guys. And what that means is I'm going last now because I'm hosting this thing and like going last. And I had just taken mushrooms, and I was like, "Oh shit!" So the mushrooms are <laughs> gonna be fully hit <laughs> by the time I'm doing my set. And Amber goes, and at the beginning, Amber's a professional; she's very, very good. You can tell this is gonna be a terrible show because she's having a tough time. Oh no! <laughs> and the lights are on. We're are in you just watching? Room. Like, okay, if she's not doing good, I'm fucked. Yeah, everyone's yeah. buttholes getting very tight watching oh, Amber no. struggle. She ends up doing fine. But, like, it was a Herculean amount of effort. And then the next comic goes, and on his way up, he, he knocks over a candle onto this fancy rug, <laughs> and he bombs. And then another oh, no. comic, the, th the third comic goes up, knocks over another candle. There's a ring of candles <laughs> around the stage for some reason. <laughs> he kicks it over, and, like, and so he's bombing. And everyone bombs, and then there was one... Uh, I, just you could tell, like, these people are self-conscious. They're not laughing. They're evaluating. They're staring yeah, oh at no. you. Like, hmm, what is this comedy attempt? Yeah, yeah. It was in Europe, human? actually. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but anyway, I go, and I'm, I have jokes about, like, drowning dogs and, like, being a sex addict. And, like, I'm, like, saying some dark shit. And they're just looking at me and then this guy comes in that looks like a cop and i'm on i'm fully tripping and this guy comes in the door and i go is are you a cop sir and he just looks at me and, and i was like he has to tell me right and i was like is he a cop and everyone's like no just tell your jokes and i was like is but is he a cop and then dude it was so like bad. some of the stuff i can't actually say in front of a cop dude like like there was like a lady that she, I, she's very annoying she goes Oh, and I just remember thinking like, <laughs> oh I'm going to kill God. myself. <laughs> I'm going to kill myself tonight and I'm going to let them know that they're the reason why. <laughs> and afterwards, I'm like sitting on the couch. Like normally after a show, I like to hang out. I'm yeah, like, hey, yeah. everyone thinks you're coming. Yeah. This show, I like apologized to the booker <laughs> and left. <laughs> and as I was apologizing to the booker, one of the guys was there and he overheard it. And he goes, hey, man, at least you were honest up there. I was like, I'll fucking kill you, sir. And it was just like, like I left being like, I can't ever, ever handle that again. Like, this yeah. is the end of my life. And it's just like, I felt judged. I felt like it was, an op it was very observational. Like, what you want in comedy is it to be dark and anonymous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, yeah. Federal. And you could, like, see everyone's face. I, right. Production. They were watching me die. They were watching me die. That was bad. That was bad. There's another time when I first started where I, I thought to say there's this obese trucker that his feet were spilling over his Nikes. And, like, they couldn't even lace. And uh, and I go, make some noise for gout. And everyone just goes... <laughs> Everyone just goes, oh, <laughs> and then I and then I did a, a Jeff Foxworthy impression of like, if you can't tie your shoes, you might have gout. Like it's gonna crush, and everyone just starts booing me, and so I'm like, that's the beginning of my set, and so I'm like, oh, my mom's a whore, and like everyone's just staring at me, and I'm so distracted by. I'm so surprised. Like, I have no... I didn't know. I didn't know that it would not work. And in hindsight, I understand. You can't go up and just insult a man. And, uh, and so, like, halfway through every single of my four bits for that five-minute set, I, I interrupt my bit to just be like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I gotta go back to the pit. And it's just... Oh, it was so bad. I remember being, like, so hot in the face. And, like, oh, everyone I hates me. And I hate myself. 
Yeah. See, that's the fascinating thing is that when it's like what you were talking about earlier, like comedy is a du- direct reaction to what's going on in the audience. So if you have that distraction, you're going to be pulled down this dark hole. Whereas I can see people doing shit that I do not like in the audience, but right. I still have this like main thread of song yes, yes, that I'm yes. holding on to for yes. dear life yes, to not yes, be yes. like, get the fuck off your phone or yeah, say yes. something. But I'll think those things. I'm just never going to express that yeah you're it's so it's it's so easy to get derailed as a comic like um i'm like kind of hypersensitive to like i did this show in a uh, in a coffee shop which is a nightmare place because when they hit the fucking bean grinder you're not gonna do well and <laughs> and, and uh, like they hit, they start shaking this fucking frother or whatever yeah, yeah. and i'm in the middle of setting up my premise and i just turn and i go what is that noise and then like no one knows what i'm talking about because they're <laughs> listening to me but i'm so like add about it and now i've yeah, adjust yeah. this noise and, I, and then the, the the fucking barista's not gonna talk to me about it and so i'm back in the joke and i'm like where am i and like so it's like you have to learn how to either like have this mastery where you can go out of your of the bit and address reality and get back into the bit or just don't do that at all but um there's also this interesting phenomenon where like like um jokes and stand-up is like about creating and resolving tension and so if, if your bit is this balloon and each each like um, each little like uh, stanza of it is you blowing the balloon up of your punchline is that pop at the end that boom, and maybe you have a couple other pops afterwards. But like you really don't want to interfere with whatever's blowing up that balloon in that moment. And so if you hear the coffee grinder and you're in the middle of blowing up the balloon, if you talk about the coffee grinder grinder all the air in that balloon goes out and then it's like well shit i have to say my punchline in eight words there's no air in the balloon so it's not going to get a laugh and it's like you have to like i I always say that like stand-up is like learning the ten thousand mistakes and not doing those because all that remains is going to be a good show you know it's like you know not to talk about the coffee grinder unless you really know how to get back and blow that balloon up yeah yeah. otherwise it's not worth it so are these just things that you learn over time? Is there someone there to tell you this stuff? No, nah, no, there's no mentorship in this game. Yeah. No, <laughs> nah, I mean, like, yeah, like people, people, like, good comics will have a lot to say. Um, but it's such a s- solitary experience because, like, when I first started stand-up, I bought the autobiographies of, like, every famous comic I could find. And I read them all because it was like, all right, I want to hear directly from these people how they see yeah, yeah. And then, like, see if I can build a perspective that kind of aligns with, you know, whatever worked for them. Um, because there's a lot of, like, advice that's, like, really bad advice. Like, a lot of comics who are successful, like, only work clean, and they'll be like, work clean, make sure you work clean. And if working mm-hmm. clean is a violation of your voice, it's a distraction that will, like, take years off your career. Totally. Like, it'll, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a side quest right. that doesn't do anything for your real voice. And so you got to be yeah. like kind of careful. With I think it. some people are just Advice. naturally, that's their vibe. Clean? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they had good childhoods. I mean, yeah. no one wants to see like Jim Gaffigan do a super dirty set, you know? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I know, no, I know. Actually, now that I say that, I'm like, yeah, as the yeah, words no. were coming out of my I'm mouth, like, I'm like, that would be pretty funny, dude, actually. Yeah, I want to see it, too. I went to a comedy club and was like, all right, check this shit out. And just, just like raunchy, I'd be like... 
I'd clean my pants, dude. Is, is that still a thing as much as it used to be? What? The the do clean comedy if you want to get big? Yeah, I mean, Seems like an old head thing. All corporates are clean, um, and that's where a lot of money is. Like, if you want to make a living, it's a, it's a pretty good path. Um, yeah, that seems insufferable. Yeah. I, like late a, night TV is clean. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, some people are that way. Like, some people can, like, make a joke about a mop head, and it's just like, oh, that's really funny. Yeah, yeah. But I want to talk about, like... I have this joke that I've been working on that, like, it, it's been working lately, which is, thank God, but there was one time I told it, and it's about uh, women who aren't wearing bras anymore, and it makes me look like the bad guy, but I'm like, you know, I'm pretty sick of all this brawlessness. I'm not a Republican, but we, <laughs> our country was founded on bra and order, you know, like, I... <laughs> Because at the end of the day, like, I'm trying to be an ally, but I'm distracted. And it's just, like, this long tirade about how women are at fault for making me horny. <laughs> and I don't mean it. I do not mean it. Yeah, of course. I yeah. mean it. Uh, That's but, why it's uh, a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're making some points, but not the ones I'm supposed to be looking at. Um, <laughs> but, like, that joke, like, I've told that joke uh, to an audience of, of two people, and they were both women. And I was like, and just the way I opened the joke, like, it's a subtle difference. Like, if I open the joke of, like, women aren't wearing bras and, like, that's wild versus women aren't wearing bras and I don't like that. Because yeah. I opened with I don't like that to these two women and they just stared at me and were like, what is this white guy saying to me? Yeah. And, like, but, like, only, like, that's a dirty joke. And a lot of times when, when you do a dirty joke, you're stuck having to defend it and in the defense of it is where the funny really starts to emerge like you're creating this tension whereas if i was talking about mop buckets and be like i really don't care i don't give a shit i like creating tension <laughs> and people being like what's this white guy saying and then finding a way to like tie it all up in a nice pretty bow and people laugh despite maybe their objections i like that yeah. a lot actually yeah i do too and that's a fine line that's i think hard to walk because mm. you you don't want to, like, flat out offend people. No. Right? That's a hard thing to yeah. come back from. You want to <laughs> offend them just enough to where they're like, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. So I think well, it's I like know, how that's fucking hard to do, man. It, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like how the best needle. characters, or like, let's see, Larry David or like Homie from Sopranos, what's his name? I can't think of it off the top of my head. The main, main character. Yeah. yeah, it's like Tony, Tony Soprano. It's like they're kind of really crappy people but there's enough redeemability yeah. that they still keep you on their side and that kind of is the job of a comedian a lot of the time you I have like to that. like you have to offend people just enough but you you have to maintain this level of likability yeah so it's, I, it's a, there's a playfulness like i, I always <coughs> I, I see this a lot like because a lot of comedians go to comedy um, for the therapeutic relief, in a way, like yeah, yeah. like I know uh, there's a comic in in the scene who they're not funny. A lot of it, some of them can, <laughs> be, but um, there there's a comic in the scene who like um, a couple of his main jokes are about being molested, and really funny topic. There's nothing sadder than him saying that joke. And people be like, is he okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that's the worst. That's what, like, I've had people all at me and be like, oh, and I want to stab them in the aorta. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, you're missing my point. I'm yeah. fine. I'm fucking fine. Yeah, you're like, I wouldn't say it if I wasn't <laughs> yeah. fine. But some people say it and they're not fine. And, that, and that's, like, one of the main things of, like, 
if you're going to be into that, like, um, that really, like, subversive, irreverent, kind of darker shit, like, the first thing, the first door, the first gate is, like, you have to establish that you're okay. And if you're not able to do that, you shouldn't do that joke. Um, but if you can do that, and, like, what you, like, a lot of comics will, like, b dig a hole for themselves or sabotage themselves, and then it's, it's in the fighting back, climbing out of the hole that all of the best meat is, all the magic is, is like, all right, I'm going to tell you this thing that totally blows up the room, and I'm going to find a way. Like, Louis C.K., it was... I was just going to mention yeah, that. I, yeah, he, he has this really <laughs> profound advice that I that I think is, like, amazing. He talks about how, like, when he's building his, his hour, he goes to uh, a random club, and he says a joke that he knows is not going to work. It's going gonna, it's gonna to kill it's going to kill everything. They're going to hate him or be confused or not like him or whatever. And his goal isn't to do well. His goal is to find out what is the unalienable objection, the objection that he finds every time, this, like, this, this almost constant that emerges mm. when you talk about little girl panties or something, you know. And then he feels that fucking obelisk out, and then he goes home and he writes around it. And then so he'll go on stage and he'll f start to feel that, impenetrable obstacle and then he's like well i know how to get around it now and then he goes to the second objection and the third and the fourth and then he builds this bit and by the time it's done it's like this it's this very very nuanced dance around the objections yeah. of society where you're landing somewhere in a way that like elicits a humor response in an otherwise traumatic context and that to me that's top tier shit like that yeah. is I'm so fascinated by that, and, like, I don't do that. Like, right now I'm, like, learning how to walk, and he's, you know, yeah, summoning yeah. Everest, but of I'm course. very, very interested in that. Like, yeah. Yeah, Well, it's a, lot, it's a lot like um, like metal bands, you know. In the beginning, you don't have the resource, like, you don't have the knowledge, and you don't have the resources. And it's kind of like really, we used to say, like, when we first started, it's it's impossibly hard until it's impossibly easy. Because when yeah. you're Louis C.K., it's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fly around the fucking country and just say something that's completely fucked and then take notes on what I'm going to do in the future. And that exists in the music world as well, like yeah, the equivalent sure. to that. But, yeah, you don't have the ability to, to do that right now, and that's why you have to be scrappy. Yeah, yeah. What we're doing now is... Um First of all, if you're watching this here in Nashville and you're interested in comedy, come out because, you know, I'll kill myself. We do got a lot. <laughs> do you, we do got you? a lot of Nashville people actually wa that watch this program. Yeah, yeah dude. I, I, I really do want to do an open mic um, in one of y'all's, like, watering holes. I've thought about D's. Uh, oh, yeah, these would be, be awesome that'd if we could awesome. make that happen that yeah, would yeah. be and i would host it with sydney and and just make it a grunge they night. could do that it at the end so cool. you can just straight up book a night at the end yeah yeah the end would be good too if you yeah. guys know the people there yeah. i've been no, in there a couple email of just email bruce, bruce. Like, yeah like you can just book there cool yeah all right we'll do it but um yeah um that'd be sick yeah it's uh the stage that i'm at now it's like i i'm getting some dates uh like i'm I'm doing 20 minutes tomorrow, actually, on this show, and that's, like, the longest I've ever done. I did 18 minutes one time. I was on tour with this guy, and um, and we were doing three shows in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, at this, like, comedy club that's since shut down. Like, the last time I saw the club owner, he had, like, a black eye. He got the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> 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 and I don't know why, but it had to do with the reason why the club closed. 
But um, so the first two nights, like I'm opening, so I'm doing like ten to fifteen minutes, and like I was a year into comedy, and I had like six minutes of jokes, and so I would just like do a lot of crowd work and like just survive, and then on the third show, there like and we, he was selling like a hundred tickets a night, and on the third show, I think he had sold like thirty tickets, and he he pulled me aside. And he goes, I'm not going out there tonight. <laughs> it's like, you do as long as you can. <laughs> and so, Damn. I know. And so I go out there and after like four minutes, I'm like, yeah, this is going pretty bad. <laughs> but it's not my show, so I don't give a fuck. And I lasted 18 minutes out there just like talking to people and like <laughs> just eating my own penis in front of people. Wow. And then finally, like the club owner like lighted me and, and the headliner had to do... <laughs> Saved by the light. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was such a fucking nightmare. But um, yeah, I've got like shows coming up, and like, like, so I'm starting to get like that level where I'm in front of good people. Like, I just did a show in Knoxville a couple nights ago that was the best. It was like 130 people in the audience, and like, I just I felt like I have 10 to 15 minutes that's really really working, mm-hmm. and I'm stretching to 20 tomorrow, and just kind of like feeling it all out. But um. Yeah, the open mic, like, the local scene is, like, it's so fragile because um, you live and die by, like, the stage time that you get. And Oh, yeah, yeah. You know. Are there a lot of comedians here? Yeah, there's probably, like, 50. So all of well, you, 50. is the thing you get out and you do comedy as much as possible? Are every you doing night. it every night? Every night. Every night that there's an open mic um, that I'm not banned at. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, let's talk about, let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, where are you banned from? Uh-oh, and why? Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> this is wonderful, and I, I trust Deaf people, Deaf metalheads, Deaf eaters to uh, be on my team about this. But um, I, uh, when I first started, I was saying some crazy shit. I was saying like, I'm. I had a joke about drowning puppies. I had a joke about... Um, yeah, we love doing yeah, that in metal. That. We yeah. love drowning puppies. Yeah. That's well, how you get initiated into metal. It happened to me. I didn't drown puppies, but like my stepdad <laughs> drowned puppies, and there's a part of it that's oh. funny. Because it's like, like, the joke is essentially like when I was a kid, the only time we would take our dogs to the vet was in was when it was really bad. And what I didn't know is that the vet was just a neighbor, Charlie, who never quit <laughs> killing. <And> so... <laughs> So I, we take him to the vet, and he drowned these puppies in front of me. And I remember being like eight years old and being like, "Damn, I better not get parvo. <laughs> this is serious." But like, I would tell jokes like that, and like, there would be these like really woke comics who would be like, "You can't." Like, I, I would tell racial jokes. I would tell uh, just a bunch of like, um, like really. I had this joke about trigger warnings and how like trigger warnings are kind of like problematic in that like they're bracing you for the raping and it's like it's like i want all of my trauma like as a surprise i don't want to know it's coming you know <laughs> and it's like well trigger warning will Im- will inform you if you want to watch the movie or not and i'm like well it's the movie's called rape baby three baby's revenge like <laughs> i know what i bought you know <laughs> and and so i'm doing these jokes that are like oh and i'm like six weeks in so a lot of like the woke comics had a lot of problem with that and there's like a lot of gatekeepers in the scene that are like they oh, tell yeah, you bad. what you can and can't joke about and how you have to be on stage and and a lot of it's like you have to respect me because I've been doing comedy for six years and it's like yeah you bomb when I don't bomb so stop trying to dominate me <coughs> and so there's like this kind of like subsection of of comedy that um, I'm not really like welcome at 
Which is fine because it's not good comedy. Like that only yeah. happens with like weak people who um, aren't that funny. But yeah. Yeah, I have sort of noticed that on some podcasts that I'll listen to, there will be like a less known comic, but they've been doing it for Much 12, longer. 15 years. Yeah. So they think when they speak to a, a comedian who's only been doing it for a year or two, they speak in a way that even if that person is funnier, they know more and therefore the the person who's been higher. involved longer, yeah, they're higher up. It's Yeah, it's uh, like, yeah, yeah. I, I we just, I don't want to say this. Uh, I just, we had a podcast with a guy who's kind of like that and like, he I is, listened to it. It's funny, but yeah, yeah. You could kind of feel the vibe of that. And like, mm -hmm. like that's a, that energy is always pushing on you and it's a scarcity mindset. It's a, um, I don't have the thing. And so I want to control what I can control. It's like in the absence of love, there's the, people seek power mm -hmm. and I feel love. Like I love like I've heard people tell rape jokes and pedophile jokes and I've seen it like just be the most cringiest thing ever and I'm not mad at the people for trying it. It's like I might steer you away from doing that material because you're, you don't seem to be able to like handle that but I'm not judging you as a human being and I'm not trying yeah, yeah. to like cancel you and keep you from getting work and keep you from finding the love relationship that causes you to get better at your art. Like, I support people, and I want I want to create a space where everyone's like, fuck, like, this might be really, really cool. This might be an epic moment. And yeah, yeah. and I've seen comics who were, like, mediocre or not very good um, in an environment that pulled out true brilliance out of them. And so I'm not in the business of, like, trying to control people, but there is a very big business for that because if you can have the moral high ground on what people can and can't do, you have power, and I think it's a real perversion. Um, but yeah, you know, we we out here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we keep kind of fighting for this democracy and and this beautiful scene um, because the scene really could be beautiful. And I really do believe that, like, the closer we get to annihilation, uh, the more sacred the space of of comedy is because it's like, you know, we're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a bit. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. I agree with everything that you said. Yeah. A thousand percent. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's and I mean, you can, like, gatekeepers can be found everywhere. In our scene, it's different. Well, because, because the internet's like, y'all can kind of get your own. There's so but many, But people like, get pissed about yeah. that. There are, there are old, older people or people who don't necessarily, who think it's stupid to go and play an instrument on the internet. A lot of people think it's really stupid to do what I do, put vocal videos on the internet. And because of that, yeah. instead of embracing those things and trying to find their own audience in that way, they just totally turn their backs on it yeah, and yeah, think that it's same. stupid. And because of that, they don't like find as big of an audience as they want, as they could. Yeah, yeah. So I think that when you, in, in this case, when you like become a gatekeeper and think that, the things that the young people are doing are stupid, which it's different than what you're talking about. You know, I'm, uh, yeah. but when you become a gatekeeper and you refuse to do those things because you think it's stupid or like yeah. not legit, then you're actually denying yourself the thing that you want. Yeah. Where it's I, like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's thing in the middle for sure. It's yeah. Fear. It's, 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 yeah. People, people are, 
there's so much ego and everything that that goes on and that's why I I really love the concept of like beginner's mind like when I first started stand up I would take really really big swings on things so I was like I'm a beginner it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but if w- once you have a little bit of success it kind of hardens the ego it reinforces well my philosophy got me this success and then you think well my philosophy is the truth and it makes you not malleable to like the the immense diversity of philosophy that's yep. at work in in the world, and yeah, I want to stay open to it. I want to like when I see someone who's like so different from me, crushing at an open mic or on a show, I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, well, that's like, too. That's what yeah. We're I mean, there the was time. a time like all the fucking time. There was this moment where I was like, if someone, I remember feeling this on a show. There was like two comics, and they both did well. And they did well in a way I could never be. And I was like, ah, they got all the love. There's no love for me. And then, like, I had my set, and they loved me too. And I was like, oh, okay. It's yeah. just it's yeah. a scarcity I'm imposing on, yeah, the, yeah. on the world. It's not like a pie chart, and there's, like, a fixed amount of yeah. how, many, how much they can laugh. It's just... It's like an open-ended thing. It's a, it's, um, it's a beautiful show. It's like, like each person is, like, unique. And each person's mind is like I've spent probably a hundred or two hundred or three hundred hours like writing my material. So it's like this is my three hundred hours of myself, yeah, like yeah. blooming in front of you. And and it's a firework. When you see a firework, you're not like, oh god, well that one was so bright and beautiful that the next one's not going to be. Exactly. You know, it's like yeah. there's. Yeah. You just watch the fireworks for as long as you can. Yeah. 100%. And when you see something like that happen, what both of us think is important is to when you see someone become super successful you like take something from that what are they doing that i could be doing differently in order to courage we're like what can i learn here yeah Yeah. there's there can be something learned from every single person even if it's even if you do think it's stupid or it's not what you want to do there is still an element to what's going on that you can incorporate into your own life if you see Vocal videos, like what I do, and you think that's stupid, well, try to do a different kind of video. Try to do something else to get yourself out there on the internet. It's not all cut and dry. And I think, like, with the TikTok generation, for a lot of metal bands, the thing to do is to, like, do something so silly that it's it, over what we call a breakdown, you know? So there's, like, this 15-second... Like catching moment, you know? Like, yeah. Like so they'll, they'll do like crazy obnoxious breakdowns and that's what will help things go viral on TikTok where people will look at that and be like, that's so stupid. These breakdowns are, they're so dumb, but you can put your own version of that. You mm-hmm. can figure out what's your breakdown and put it on the internet. And yeah. s- those things will go viral as well. It's not just cut and dry. It's not one size fits all. Like yeah. you don't have to, a lot of people, when we started doing TikTok, were like, you have to do these stupid, funny videos and, like, totally... Yeah, yeah you're like, almost a whore at that yeah, point. Yeah, we're like, dude, we're not going to do that. Yeah. You just have to we're do that cool do. TikTok yeah, yeah. Ex- fucking dance. That's totally. Like, that's, yeah. that's, like, kind of embarrassing. But that, that's the thing is, like, you want to love the process and you want to be not attached to it. You don't want to be attached to the outcome. You just want to love the process. Because if you're having fun doing the TikTok dance, you're going to be you're gonna be having a good life. Yeah. If yeah. you're doing it because you think you have to... You're going to be so self-conscious. You're going to be hating yourself. Exactly. You're going to be like, this isn't yeah. truthful to who I am. Absolutely. You've got to be truthful to who you are, but also not take yourself so seriously that you're not a, that you're afraid of becoming the fool online. And yeah, that's yeah. the beautiful yeah. thing about stand-up is like, every night I'm an idiot. 
Like, <laughs> I bombed last night. Like, I, I got <laughs> off stage last night, and you're like, don't look at me. <laughs> and, like, I played it back, and I was like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. fine, but I felt attention. I focused on attention that made me critical of what I ended up performing. And, yeah, I, like, you're always going to be thinking through and analyzing and assessing, but, like, at the end of the day, that's what I love about being a live performer, and you guys know this too. It's like as soon as the fucking curtain comes up, and it's time to go. It's like you're just you're in the water. You're swimming, yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. what a gift! What a fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I know so many yep. people who never know what it feels like to swim like that. Absolutely, like they just sit on the sidelines, being like, "Wow, look how athletic!" You know? Yeah. And we get to totally. do it every night. And like, yeah. That's, that's, I'm happy for that. The only thing I would change is like to get good enough that when I want to perform, I can perform. Because right now I have to convince people for stage time. Yeah, yeah. I have to be like, please, yeah. please, I won't fuck it up. Yeah, you know, and mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah. and then in the in between, I'm talking to people who want to play pool. <laughs> so, how long have you been doing comedy? It'll be three years in May. Wow. Yeah. So, is there a point for comedians where they're like, you have to be doing it for this long, and that's when you're good? Is it like ten years, twenty years, or it's just? Nah, I think I think like historically that was like kind of the case, and that has to do with some of the hierarchy. But um, mm -hmm. there are truly fascinating individuals. Like Cam Patterson is an example of like he's been doing it less than five. Motherfucker is the f one of the funniest dudes in the world. So I think like there are certain aspects to the business that you won't learn for a long time. There's going to be a certain like bulletproof nature that takes a long time to de to develop. Oh, like, I bet. Yeah, yeah, it's where it's like, all right, I'm not going to bomb in any situation, um, and that takes a long time. But like in terms of like just being funny out of the gate, like I was funny in a way my very first open mic that I still have yet to get back. Um, wow. Like yeah, when I first started, I had this bit about um about how gross porn has gotten like. Uh, like, uh, I saw this porno one time when this lady was chained up on her back and this black guy with this huge cock was just running and thrusting his hard cock into her and it looked like a snake s swallowing a squirrel. And I'm, like, acting this out. I'm, like, laying down on the ground going, like, ugh, blah, blah. And, like, and, it, and, and then I, I'm, like, yeah, it was so gross. As soon as I came, I had to take a shower. And, like, I... The act out, the ability to, like, just not be self-conscious and just commit to laying on the ground and doing this thing. <laughs> like, that took... I still couldn't do that. Like, I, I'm, oh, like I'm happy... Oh, like, you have kind of courage now. Yeah, because, yeah. because yeah. the moment you bomb, you conjure a demon. And that demon is always tied to your soul. He's always in the corner looking yeah, yeah. at you, being like, I'm going to get you, bitch. Yeah, Whereas yeah. my very first time, I was like, there's no demon in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then like, you're once like everyone you see wants me to do great here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then once you see that guy, you're like, oh, okay, we're going to live a long time together. And now anytime I'm on stage, I see him in the corner. He's just like staring. He's like, I'm waiting for my opportunity. But if you stay playful and you stay grateful, it's really hard to bomb. You're just like, um, I did this show in Knoxville and it was a really good show. And I was like sick for like four days before. I'm still kind of like, Ugh. but um, I went on stage and I had this comment about like, um, the last guy had a joke about like some girl he was trying to have sex with for a long time, and I went on stage and I was just like, uh, "Yeah, I'm the girl he was trying to fuck, you know." <laughs> and we did, and neither of us came, you know. And I'm just like riffing a little bit, and then I'm just so glad they're laughing, you know. I'm so glad they're laughing, and then I'm excited for the next joke. I'm like, "Oh, I can't wait to tell him this joke," 
And then you're just like kind of skiing. And you're not like, am I funny? Am I funny anymore? Yeah. You're just like, is, is this going to be funny? Is yeah, this yeah. going to be funny? And it's not so personal. And so if it's right. not funny, you're not like, I'm not funny. You're like, all right, I'll get him with the next one. And now you're boxing. You know, you're just like, I'm going to get him. And then if you get him, you really get him, then like everything you say is funny. And then you grow as a comedian because your jokes take on a new life. Like you'll have new tags emerge in real time. Like I've never said this before, but I'm just saying saying more parts of this joke that I've never even thought. And that's like, that's what you really, really want to have. So do you film every set? I, I record the audio. Yeah. I listen back to the audio. I'm trying to get better at filming every set because clips and shit, but I don't really care. Yeah. I don't care if I'm not a, a famous comic for a long time. I don't care. I just want to, like, have good sets and, like, you know, stage time. Totally. Well, clips, I mean, dude, I like taking videos of myself. That's what I liked before I even posted them to the internet. I like doing that just to assess what I can do differently. Yeah. Because a part of playing shows is being a performer, you know, and a part of doing vo- just checking out what I'm doing when I'm breathing and yeah. stuff. So I would imagine that with you it, and with comedians, it's probably the same way. Like you, there are ways to walk around on stage and you yeah. can be super awkward yeah. and you can come off really awkward. Even if the words you're saying are not awkward, right. the way you're acting can be awkward. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting thing. And I think I've always had like good charisma and good stage confidence. Um, I'm not like a very expressive guy, but I'll like lean on the stand and be like, hey, you're ugly. You know, just like something like playful that like lets them know I'm comfortable. Um, that part's a really big part. Um, where you're like establishing like a relaxed environment that like it's going to be okay and I'm okay and you're okay. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's really an infinite like d- diverse uh, number of expressions that could work on stage. There's no like one truthful one. I think you just have to go with how you feel. Like when I was sick in Knoxville, I started off like really heavily leaning on the, st- on the, on the um, stool I'm leaning on the stool and I'm saying this thing and I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. And then they start laughing and I'm like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and I tell another little joke and they laugh. I have this joke I really like. Um, it might be hack. I haven't found out if it's hack or not, but I go on stage and I say, uh, um, I just did a DNA test recently and I found out that I have Indian blood. I pause for a second and I go, on my hands, I'm a colonizer. <laughs> and not just to watch the audience absorb that and like take that in and like because they don't know what i'm going to talk about they might i might be a christian comic yeah you know what i'm saying like they have no idea what and then and then i say that and then i'm like yeah i'm one of the bad whites and then like you can push into that and be like who else is a bad white give people an opportunity to say they might be bad people and then, and then you talk about which ones are poor. Uh, yeah, you're not bad, but you're poor. Look at you. You know, like you're just <laughs> fucking around in that space, knowing it's going to swing you to the, the premise of your next joke, which is talking about growing up as a poor person. Right. And right. it's oh just, yeah. just playing oh, that's in, so the, genius. in the tension yeah, of it, like just creating this tension and resolving it. But because you're confident and you're comfortable in it, like, yeah, they're not going to say anything, you know? Yeah. They're not going to. It's so fun. To me, watching really good comedy, it's like uh, when you see a movie 
and or like a documentary you know how the style in documentaries now is to kind of uncover a cool story as it goes like yeah. comedy is like that yeah and it's so fascinating because i watch comedy and i'm like that is one thing that i really love watching that i've never thought i can do that i want to try yeah. doing that so it's so it's amazing to me to be able to watch it from the outside and see how you guys string stories together and how you it's very meticulous. Yeah. It's, it's like, and that's the, that's the thing that's like the hidden. That's like, um, like when you see like tapestry, you, what you're seeing is the front of the tapestry. You're not seeing all the stitching in the back. The back is a rat's nest of fucking opium and fucking alcoholism and trauma. Like, <laughs> but you're putting it all together so that it seems seamless in the front. But, yeah, there's a lot of... That's something I really study, too. Like, I, I don't pay attention to people's bits that often. Like, I'm not, like... Occasionally, I will, and I'll be like, oh, you know, the tag right there was really good. But mostly what I listen for is the rhythm, the cadence, the tone, and um, how they keep the ball moving. Are you taking a piss break? Yeah. I have to pee so bad, I too. do, too. Okay. Yeah, let's all We're going to be right back, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Harrison, you gotta keep them company on the. <laughs> yeah, this the is all on you, pal. Don't <laughs> yeah, I'm about to explode. Yeah. We got a Cam sucks in the comments. Cam Patterson. Yeah, Cam sucks. Yeah. I'm amazed he's, that uh, people he's tired of him repeating the same minutes on oh, Kill Tony. Listen, who is he's this not, person? How could you? How, the <laughs> thing listen, is. you dumbass. You do Kill Tony every week <laughs> and not repeat yourself. Cam Patterson repeated himself because he didn't care that much. You know, that's what I was going to bring up. It's like writing a new minute every single week seems super daunting to me. I mean, Damn. I don't know what uh, it takes to write a minute. That's why you got to rise to the challenge, dude. Very. It's a... Uh, I don't write as often as I should. Like, I watched Kill Tony last night, and that was one of the best. If you, if you ever watched Kill Tony, uh, last night's episode that they put out with uh, Bobby Lee, Bert, and uh, Esther. Oh, damn. Pazivitsky. Pazivitsky. I don't know. She's a Jew. And uh, <laughs> so that one, though, is, like, one of the best. Everyone crushes. There's this uh, Cam Patterson is one of the best sets I've seen on there. Wow. He has this joke that's so fucking good. It's It's, like, you really can understand... The level at which he's operating comedically when you when you watch that. I saw, like, I'm fascinated by, like, someone who has a meteoric rise like Cam. Like, I watched a podcast that he did. Uh, I forget who he did it with. Oh, it was with uh, Mark Gagnon of Andrew Schultz's tribe. And uh, so it's Mark Gagnon interviewing Cam Patterson because I guess they came up together. And Cam talks about, like, the pressure of what he's experiencing. It's like he's doing a Yeah, it's probably hard, man. Yeah, it's an immense amount of pressure. And he has to read Reddit. I mean, if he reads Reddit, go to Reddit and read comments about himself. Or he might be reading the Copper Crab Twitch comment (laughs) thread. Yeah, which has one comment about him. Demon Slayer 666, (laughs) fucking queer. It's actually a girl. Is she hot? Probably. Wow. <laughs> I gotta stick with my boy Cam. Metal, metal girls, you know. Yeah, she stinks. Uh, uh, I just wanted to throw that comment out there just to see how he would react to it. But like that, the amount of pressure, the amount of pressure. Well, I, I said this to him the first time, the, or the last time we hung out. I was like, "What do you think of Cam Patterson?" Yeah, I'm. I, he's very good. Yeah. He. Uh, so I saw him do that podcast, and then I saw him do last night's Kill Tony. And that came out after the podcast of him talking about how much pressure he was feeling. The bit, go watch the bit. It's about his uh, his cousin. Uh, fuck, I forget the guy's name, but it sounds like a transformer. 
And he's like, man, if you a black guy with that name, there are two outcomes. You're either going to play professional ball or you're going to prison. And Nestor did both. And he just like, he just riffs on this fucking thing. It's such a good joke. Um, and then he has a great like interview back and forth. Like he's kind of riffing. And then this, this redneck comes up named Carlos who he's a horse. He, uh, he transports horses and he has one of the best minutes on Kill Tony ever. And he's riffing with the audience, like he's riffing with Kill with Tony during the interview portion, and he's crushing. Like they would ask him like a question, and he would come back with a one-liner that was hilarious, over and over and over and over again. And and everyone's just watching this like legend be born on stage. Everyone did wow. well. There was no there was no lulls. There's no duds. There's no bombs. I love those episodes. I'm excited to watch it. See, that's the thing about Kill Tony. And for people out there who, you know, might not know what Kill Tony is. So it's a podcast. It's a live podcast. It's a comedy podcast where there is a panel of judges and Tony is one of the judges. And uh, he'll pull. He's got like three regulars, I would say, a show usually. So there are three regulars who are actually good comedians, but everyone else is a bucket pull. Yeah. Yeah. You know, an except to that person in the chat who thinks that Cam <laughs> Patterson sucks. But everyone else is a bucket pull and they come up on stage and you do a minute. You have a minute to do something funny, you know, tell jokes, whatever. And then after the minute, there's an interview and people, their minutes can totally blow. Yeah. And if their interview goes well, then they'll, that's, that's really in my opinion where you have to win people over on Kill Tony because I've seen people with decent minutes who are terrible yeah. interviews and yeah. he's just like, get off the stage, yeah. like yeah. Go, go away. Yeah. So the interview to me is almost more of an art than, than the actual the interview is The interview is crowd work, essentially. It's, yeah, it's yeah. this idea of like, can you play with reality in real time? And the minute is like, what's the, what's the best you got? And yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. It's when I was watching it last night, granted, I was on an edible but I was like, this show's the best. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so good, and it's gotten yeah, really better. Good. It's it's, it's really gotten better in production agree, value, yeah. and it's gotten better in terms of like, like I think Tony has really maybe like purified his uh, relationship with it of like seeing, and I think being close to Rogan, you know, and that idealism of Rogan or whatever, and comedy is like helped him maybe galvanize the purpose of the show. Because what they do is they they platform comedic talents that are either like seasoned or nascent, and they platform them in in a way that would be otherwise impossible. Yeah, you might be great yeah. at stand up. Cam Patterson could have been anonymous for fifteen years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead, now he's put in front of like the best audiences in the world, and everyone's saying like, "Let's or see Uncle what Laser. you got." Your boy or Uncle Laser, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Who I think is hilarious, Uncle Laser. But yeah. it was yeah. his first appearance was like the best. It was fucking hilarious. Oh, it was great. Yeah. And yeah. but the He's thing that I realized time. when we saw him do like we saw him do a headlining set, and I was like, oh, we're watching a guy at the beginning of his comedy career. Yeah. Like he hasn't totally you can tell that he's going to be really, really good, but it's obvious that there's some things he needs yeah. to work out. But that's the cool part about it. However, that could be the daunting part. If you blow up that quickly and you have so many people judging you and you're just at the beginning of your career, that could derail you if you pay too much attention to harsh critics. I think it's all about like the level of attachment that you have. There's this really good quote that I think about uh, all the time. And it says, um, if you know what you want to be, invariably you will become it. 
and that is your curse. Um, on the other hand, if you never know what you want to be, and instead you move around from interest to interest, unattached the whole time, you'll never become anything, and that is your gift. And it's this idea that, like, if life decides to thrust you in the Uncle Laser chair where you're, like, totally famous yeah, yeah. and you can sell out clubs, you can make a full-time living doing stand-up comedy, headlining, but you've been doing comedy for six months and yeah. all your jokes are about big-titty milfs. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you can be relaxed in that process, you'll eventually yeah. become good. But if you've got, like, this really tight grip of it, it's going to be a miserable, miserable yeah. experience. Well, he seems cool. Absolutely. He said something on your podcast that I was, like... I loved uh, him. I had, like, respect I, for He was, like, I started doing headliners, and I was, like, I suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, exactly. like, damn, that's cool that he's, yeah. like, self-aware enough to not you just be, like, be. Well, oh, I'm the absolutely. fucking shit. Anything I say is going to be funny. Look at me, you know? Because he has yeah. a bombastic kind of, like, that's his Yeah, stick. it's an act. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, but he's actually wise enough to be like i suck i need to like write some jokes. well that's yeah. the, that's yeah. the most important so that's really cool i thought that was really cool that he said mm -hmm. that it, i think that's the most important thing to take into yeah. consideration in anything that you're doing anything that you're starting out in or even if you're a veteran of it you do have to accept that there are some areas in which you can improve or you have to be honest with yourself and say i totally suck at doing this yeah. i need to get better yeah and that goes back to the like being jealous of other people thing if you see someone the when I'm jealous of someone, I know it's because I see them excelling at something that I struggle with. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's important to yeah. see that in yourself. And instead of letting that jealousy eat away at you, let it help you grow. Yeah, learn from like Shane and I, we, we kind of touched on this already, but like, I, like I've been touring in metal bands for 20 years. So like I'm 38. It's like a lot of people that are 38, they're already like done with it, you know? So like when I see new bands come and, they blow up or whatever. I'm just like, what can I learn from them? Absolutely. Straight up. And I'm, yeah. I'm not even like, I don't know. Perspective. I don't, yeah, I'm not like a jealous person, so I don't really get jealous that much. But like. Oh, I do. <laughs> I I'll just jealous. be like, what's going on here? And how can we, like, what am I missing that they are tapping into? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to like copy them by any means, but we're going to learn something, you know, Absolutely. from it. And it's like really helped us out, like having that mentality. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I I feel like um I feel like jealousy is like um uh, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's uh it's a distraction sometimes. Like oh like yeah, if you feel like whatever becomes fuel is good, maybe yeah, yeah. is like like and that's why they like like I, I'm in Nashville for now, but I've been thinking about moving to like a larger city, just like stage time like if i was on a show and i was the worst comic on the show i would get better but if i'm on a show and it's like three people shouldn't even be doing comedy and then i get to go and like i get to be them. the best on the show but yeah. it's not because i was that great that's not good it's like mm -hmm. it's not the best but you want to be around people who are excellent and like almost purify that thing in you that's like absolutely envious or jealous or whatever. But ultimately, like hopefully, you fucking just love what you're doing. Like oh, that's yeah. the thing that like you know that, that's like I picture Jimi Hendrix fucking riffing out. He's not thinking about any other great guitarists. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's just yeah, fucking high. And can we get it high again? Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, Fuck is it. it in here? Of course. It's, it's not a loaded yeah. bowl, but you now know. that I don't have to pee anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, oh, I, I should have told you. You could just walk out whenever you want. Oh, I was thinking about it. I yeah, was yeah. definitely on my <laughs> way. That is a fascinating thing, though, because in the type of, mu- I mean, just in bands, period, and in the type of music that we play, it, ha- it just so happens that music- musicians, like, quit bands a lot. We don't make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. So it's... <clears throat> The older that you get, the more, you know, you're like, well, I could go to this other band and make more money there. You know, they start doing things like that. Where was I going with this? <laughs> well, just the choice to work for money versus like to work from passion is very interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, exactly. So <laughs> on a couple of weeks ago, we had our friend Scott on the podcast who's in a band called Fallujah and we were talking about this and it's like when he looks for new band members now, he's looking for people who have been making music on their own forever without any, like without it being a matter of success. Like yeah. they've just made music yes. on their own regardless of, su- yeah, yes. because they love it because those are the people who are going to stick around in the band for the longest. Those are the, the band members that you can count on. Like people who, aren't you know starting solo projects or doing things on their own or just making music for the love of it and they're joining bands because it's i can make more money in this band i'm gonna get more famous in this band those are the people you want around because you want people who are in it for the love of it and in bands it's even harder because we have to depend on you know four or five other people rather than creating an organism together absolutely rather than it just being us depending on ourselves and getting ourselves through that which can be a double-edged sword Mm -hmm. because we have the team to go back to and you know high five after a show and say we fucking did it but then we also have four other people that we have to make all of these decisions with yeah so it's like in comedy we don't do that we're yeah, and I, it's just for us, it's are, the two of us. We're a dictatorship. Yeah, dictatorship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a double, yeah. This ain't no exactly fucking democracy, dude. <laughs> no, I can tell. You guys are fucking communists. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Stalin worshiping. Yeah, no, we're... But, you know, to me, that's like, that is one of the hardest parts of comedy is that I don't know how you guys... I don't know how you are with your other comedy friends, but it's like you're never truly a team. Yeah. It's never true unless no. you're a two... A comedy, what do they call that? Like a comedy a duo. A duo, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Is like, and I think about this all the time. Like, I, I, um, I had a tough entry in stand up. I think, like, I came in like really, um, uh, you, like naive and uh, ambitious and confident. And I remember when I first started comedy, there would be a couple of like old head comics who. There's like two in particular. It's really a trio, but uh, they would heckle me during my <laughs> set. Like they would play Bill Burr over on the phone and hold it up. They would take the stool away when whenever whenever it was time for me to go. But the comedians stage. would do that. Uh-huh. All right. And uh, and they would they would give me a really really tough time. And I the whole time that's happening, I'm feeling this most intense feeling of injustice. Let me do my art, you bastards. <laughs> and like that's the gayest thing to say. So <laughs> they would like get rip, they would like rip me for that too. And I remember feeling this like very deep feeling of aloneness, injustice and aloneness. And whatever that was was really a blessing for me because it told me that there's nothing to cling to. <coughs> it is just you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just you and it's just the audience and everything else should burn away. 
And I don't think they had pure motives for being that way. I think they saw me as like a, and and the, all those people I've become friends with since then. But um, um, I remember getting in this huge fight. Like th- there was one time the host lit me early after like sixty seconds. They're playing Bill Burr and lighting me and took the stool and it's like all this is happening to me. They were hazing you. They were hazing yeah. me. Yeah. And and I remember. That sounds like fun, actually. No, it did. <laughs> no. No, no, I, I'm. Not to, you. To in, haze. This fun, in this funny part, I'm not you. I'm yeah, the yeah, to haze. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you do have <laughs> some I'm evil. Just you I'm do like, have some evil. I mean, and uh, <laughs> some metal. Uh, yeah. I'm like, let me get it all back, dude. <laughs> but but that's the thing. Is like, if it's a, if it's in a loving way, it is very good. It is very. Yeah. It's very uh, transformative. But um, it was anyway. I had that experience, and I remember, like, yelling after an open mic. I threw my shoe at the host. Like, I was so pissed, and I was like, let me make my art. And, like, and I remember one of the guys, like, was was mocking me, and I just, like, interrupted, and I go, I don't respect you. And I was like, I think you're afraid of my talent or some, you know, just whatever the fuck. <laughs> and And I remember, like, it created this very alone feeling in me. And in that alone feeling, I had to, like, do it for a pure reason, you know? I'm not doing this for friends. I'm not doing this for uh, acceptance in this community. I'm doing it for the anonymous people that might show up and might love what I have to say. And whatever that was, it was, like, really, really good. But, like, eventually you want to create a camaraderie where it's, yes, we are all alone, but, like, it's almost probably how, like, battle buddies feel in the military. It's like you've been to war, like, which yeah. is so, I'm so sorry. It's yeah, yeah. comedy <laughs> is not at all like war. It's way harder. And uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's about the same. But, um, like, when, <laughs> when you're with, like, when you've been bombing on these shitty shows and you've been showing to the same Wednesday open mic that's dog shit, like eventually you develop this like camaraderie where it's like you versus you guys together versus the world. And like, that's a very good feeling Yeah. where it's like, we're all just like mercenaries on, on mission in Afghanistan. <laughs> but, um, you, it is very alone. It's very like to yourself, but there is something where it's like, this is something that I really, really care about is like, I want to create a, an environment or a context in which, we're all in on the lie. We're all working together in a cohesive way to like perpetuate this grand illusion that good comedy might happen. <laughs> We're all <laughs> shitty comics. Yeah, None yeah, of us yeah, are good. Yeah. Yeah. But like, woo. You have to. <laughs> yeah. You, ha- you have to. You want to create that. this like, yeah. this, this experience because only when you, when you, when you worship at the altar in that way, might Zeus strike it with lightning? Yep. Like, like it's, and it's like w- uh, sometimes at an open mic, this will happen where the host will come up and start the show and he says, Hey everyone, thanks for coming. Um, keep your hat on a swivel. Uh, there's very unstable people here and almost no one is audience. It's all comics. So, uh, don't die tonight. Your first comic of the evening is Thomas Leon and you have to like work in that bleak environment <laughs> it's like, you just told them to be scared you just activated their nervous system like you just fucking turned up the dial on their fight and flight and it's like that's the opposite of what you want what you want is to be like 
Hello, everyone. We, we have, have the hottest comic yes. coming up. He's super Nate hot. Nate Pergazzi said he's coming. I don't know if he's coming, but he said he's coming. And uh, we have really good drink specials. And this next guy, oh, my God, he has this bit about queefing. I love it so much. You're in for such a treat. This is Kenyon Witchard. Like, if you create that environment, then, like, lightning might strike. And if lightning strikes, then we all get fed in a way yeah and like that's beautiful but it's not because it's fake supportive it's not because it's like oh like let's just all clap for like trans rights you know it's not anything like that it's true um but yeah i don't know that that's what i'm in pursuit of and and that's the only thing like until i have enough like traction behind me to where i can just like go on shows and get good spots it's like i'm just trying to survive and the only way is if there's good rooms and we have a couple good rooms in town uh, we have a Friday room that's, like, really, really good. That's um, It's new. It's at Grandpa Bar. And even not that great comics crush there. So it's, like, really interesting. That must be amazing. It's kind of weird. Them. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the only time they crush <laughs> in that room. Why? Do you know? Is yeah. It's because, like, I think um, I think comics are better than they get to experience in Nashville. Nashville's not a very loving place, um, unfortunately. And that's not to say that there's not like a a, 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 a core that is loving, but... Wait, loving in like what? Like in the comedy scene way or just like... Like loving in a way that like... Um, <laughs> it's like when you read about like the National Lampoon or SNL or the comedy store in the 80s, like there are these, these movements, these, these scenes where yeah, yeah. there was like... There was a fire that started, and the only way that fire starts is that people aren't trying to piss on it. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times people get bitter, and they want to piss on everything. And if they can piss on your fire, then their fire is less likely to be pissed on. And uh, that's a bummer, but it's also like a, 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 a problem of like economics in Nashville where we have one main comedy club it's an amazing comedy club. It's one of the best comedy clubs in the world, but spots are very, very limited. Yeah, and yeah. comics have worked for 10 years and don't get spots there. Uh, Zanies. Uh-huh. Um, but they're about to open a second room, which is yeah. so exciting. I'm going to set there, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. They asked me to do it. Yeah, With he just Dick got Jay. in right yeah, away. Yeah, I'm waltzing up in there real quick. <laughs> they heard about his drumming, and they were like, all right, this guy's in. I mean, this guy's got time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes a little quick. But, <laughs> but so uh, is there an open mic night at Zany's? No. Uh, there's like a locals thing, though, right? Like one night a week. I think it's yeah, Mondays. Yeah, it's uh, New Material Monday. And okay. that's, um, but the bummer is that, like, the bookers at Zany's don't really have a finger on the pulse of the best comics in town <laughs> because they're busy running a money-making headlining comedy yeah, club yeah, where course. Mark right. Norman comes for five nights. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, it's like course. their priorities are a certain way. But they're about to open a second room that's called The Lab that's going to be like showcases every night. And uh, it's going to be an opportunity for like local talent to like really exist. But But because that's what it is and has been for a while – there's like this like weird scarcity feeling where there's not enough spots, there's not enough yeah, food. Yeah. It's like a dirty yeah. fish tank. When I go to Knoxville or Chattanooga, Memphis or Atlanta or really any other place I've been to, the comedy community seems like more loving and supportive because there's like six clubs. Yeah, yeah. Or there's no clubs. You either need like four clubs or no clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. If there's just one, it's not good. Uh, yeah. yeah, for <laughs> us it's like the opposite experience because there's like more venues than... 
Oh, like in anywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah for, so it's for, like, music, for musicians, Nashville is the yeah. We've had like the epicenter. polar opposite. As long as you're good. You gotta yeah. be good, but yeah. Well, I mean, that's true. Yeah, that right. is true. You guys are good. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. Dude, yeah, I mean, we were, we were just in a situation music. where we didn't have to move to Nashville in order to to have a career because we already yeah. had a career. We were already touring. And, you know, Naveen's been playing in, in bands that have had careers for the past it's 20 years. Metal bands now are internet based. I mean, that's yeah. Just yeah. how it is. You know, that you, too. You can that do too. it. Uh, it's not the same thing. Yeah, we don't, we don't have to. Like there isn't a place where we all go to play, and that's how we get chosen yeah, to be like, put on tours. Yeah, yeah. You know, how do you 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 reach out and you say, "Hey, we could we think we could sell this. We'll we'll pay for the." No, money. we just get like we emails. Book, like we have you, a booking. Do you guys want to do this tour? We have a booking agent and a manager, that's and amazing. that's yeah. how or friends. Like yeah. a lot of the time, it's friends. Like we just know bands that uh, they say, "Hey, when you're in Milwaukee, come do this." Show. No, no, they'll, they'll no. be like, "We're we're doing a headlining tour. Why don't you guys come?" It's oh, like. Yeah. That's the best. 30 shows or we're going to oh, go to Europe. It's what fucking a dream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There are no, we don't yeah, do just sick. weekends or, you know, it's like if we, well, there have been times like we just did some Christmas shows where we played three shows on the East coast and moving to Nashville from California has made that all more accessible for us because yeah. in California, like tours, <laughs> you're so far away from everything. Ex- precisely. Yeah. So here you can drive anywhere, but most of the time when we're working, it's we're on a 30-day tour here or in Europe, and that's yeah. that's the way that it operates. But we get those offers through a booking agent. Even if it's friends who are offering us the tour, they go through yeah. our booking agent in order to get us on. Yeah. So it's usually, yeah. I mean, that's like, for our like scene, that's kind of like what you're trying to get to. Like, you just get to this point where... You just do tours, basically. Yeah, like, we yeah, don't even yeah. have, like, a band. It's just me and Chaney. And yeah. we get people to play with us for the tours and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much. But it's also, like, there is this other element where we have a booking agent. And booking agents will get, like, this master list of tours that are going on. Unless you are doing a headlining run. In which your booking agent will book all of the shows for you, find bands. Yeah. Uh, so there's like this master list of tours and we will know about tours that are happening for like the next, you know, year, year and a half and we'll get submitted for those tours, but we get submitted with a handful of other bands and it all comes down to like plays across the internet, how much you've drawn, how many CDs you sell and that kind of thing. Do you normally like the bands that you're out with? It just I depends. usually know them. Usually friends with them. Yeah, we're usually yeah. friends with them. Yeah, it, cool. it just depends. I mean, there are some bands that just... Are you talking about like on a personal level or on a taste level? <laughs> I mean, I guess the personal... <laughs> I, it, I I'll have to give you a political answer. Well, well, when you Great were... Great guys. <laughs> you know, it's just like you don't... You aren't going to be best friends with every single person that you sometimes meet in this business, world. Yeah. And sometimes the headlining band doesn't even really get off of their bus and like hang out with oh, people. Oh, I see. So that's not a lot of... Yeah, yeah we're in a... Uh, we there's know a lot of camaraderie, but that's a like ton. Yeah, more rare. There's a ton of camaraderie yeah. and a lot of, you know, when you were talking about everyone's like all in this together and then we form, we have bonds through that. Like if we're on runs, we're all living like we're living like this nomadic lifestyle that no one else, we're ghosts in every town that we go to. We're only in town from like 3 p.m. when we load in to two in the morning when we load out so we like exist on the road with these other bands and there is camaraderie that you know there's camaraderie that forms in that and then that 
when we get home, it's hard to completely relate to people who don't understand the lifestyle. So we are friends with a ton of band people, but like you don't make best friends with every single people. There are egos. (laughs) Sometimes people are, you will come across like the random person who's super egotistical. Uh, So, you know, you don't always like 100% get along with everyone, but you do make friends and come to like (laughs) at least a couple people in every band. And I would say even if you, if you go into the tour and you may not like the music up front, like once you make friends with everybody, you're like, okay, I'm like, the music like grows on you because you like know the people, you know what I mean? Like it affects you for sure. So, but also some bands suck. And so, or, or some bands yeah. aren't to your taste, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. you aren't always gonna like or love yeah. every single it's band. Pretty you go rare, out with. It's pretty rare, though, that like we outright or like we this band isn't good. You know what I mean? Like yeah, most of the time, you're like, even if it's not your thing, you're like they're a sick band. It's just like yeah. not what I would listen to on my own time. Yeah, you know, that's pretty much what happens yeah. sometimes. I mean, we're lucky where most of the bands that we go and open for are super. Sick yeah, bands. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. we're lucky because we're we're usually. Like what you were talking about. It's like we're most of the time like the smallest band on the tour. And yeah, we're touring with these cool. fucking bands yeah. that are super pro and we're, they sound fucking amazing and, you know, they have sick, sick production. And so we're just like Happy taking notes. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, we're inspired a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah, taking notes. It's like we, we've been lucky. We've surrounded ourselves also with people who are just like super sick musicians, yeah. luckily. Yeah. And uh, we, there are a lot of inspiring people, a lot of people to look up to when we go on tour i i think in in stand-up comedy there's typically like a lot of like kind of jaded people where it's like they've been in the industry for 20 years and they've eaten chicken tenders for 20 years they've played these clubs for 20 years like and their acts changed a little bit but you know and they're just not like very happy in it and then there's like some people who are on like a total like rip like aj wilkerson who does the podcast with me He's ripping so hard right now. Like he, he's about to put out a special. Um, he gets booked all the time. He was out with Burt Kreischer for the Fully Loaded tour. Oh, he was on the Fully Loaded. Yeah, yeah. Damn. That's how we. Did you watch the Carter Cruz episode with the porn star? That's the one that I, I just listened to it today. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's fun, but um, he. We were able to get her because she was on the Fully Loaded tour as like Burt's DJ. So a- AJ's been like connected to all this stuff, and he's like someone who's getting a lot of time and he loves it so much like and he's and he's younger so he's like getting to like really experience a lot and to be around that is like very cool like he's always excited and shit but i've been around people who are like like when i first started i was like a year in i had a video equipment so i would like be able to record sets and so headliners would take me out on the road with them to film for them and i would get to do spots so i'd get to host the show or do a guest spot (coughs) And it was, it made me so much better as a comedian because when you're in the open mics to like four people, you're like, I'm awful. No one's laughing. Yeah. I'm yeah. bad at comedy. Like no. if anything, I feel worse now. Yeah. But yeah. then you get to go to a show like in, in Alabama to like 150 people and like this joke that doesn't get any laughs at the open mic is like kind of crushing. And then you're like, oh wow. Like what is, like maybe this is true. Yeah. Maybe I'm a really good comedian. <laughs> And, like, you kind of, like, try and figure that out. But um, being on the road, um, one of the times I was out was with a comedian who was, like, so jaded and, like, so burnt out and, like, kind of just hated. We would drive. We would drive, like, 12 hours to a gig. And he would smoke cigars in the car. Oh, God, yeah. I know, dude. Mm -hmm. 
No. Who, who was this guy? And I can't say. <laughs> yeah, drop can't names. No, it was Groucho Marx. <laughs> and we will definitely <laughs> not just the cut a clip monster. of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I, I liked him a lot, and like I got to hang with him quite a bit. And but like he would just have this like weird like protective protectionism like delusion yeah, of yeah. like his own like greatness. And like there's one time, and he would he would do really well. Like I really admired his like um, his ability to be comedic, but like. I would learn so much from him, too, because, like, he would talk about, he would do, like, uh, cruises. He did cruises for, like, a few years, and he would have to do two different hours to two different crowds each night, and he had 30 minutes. <laughs> and it was, like, and he was, like, I remember one time he looked at me, and he was, like, Thomas, I learned how to say anything that was funny. And, like, I, I knew he wasn't bullshitting me, you know? I knew that, like, he went to hell and had to do that for people who judge them and like just just it's almost like taking a, a fucking orbital sander to your face publicly because he has to do two hours and he has 30 minutes and um he learned how to do it and like so i would learn that stuff and then he would say crazy shit like uh <laughs> he'd be like i am the next elvis <laughs> was he schizophrenic i don't know but i'm sitting there as his opener being like i gotta agree with this guy <laughs> but like, like, you, you are actually yeah elvis. dude no i mean i remember that time i looked at him and i was like yeah that's a crazy thing to say <laughs> like that's a really weird thing to say of course you're not elvis in his karate phase maybe like what are you talking about <laughs> What are you saying to me? Why are you making me have to agree with an insane statement? But um, you know, so th it, it was just yeah. you two in a car. Yeah. See, that's like the fascinating yeah, part, though, is that awkward. we're never. It, I've come across jaded people on tour. Don't get me wrong, but there are twenty-five other people on the tour who yeah. I can. You got the go really, and hang out with. You're with yes. your Instead. own crew. So yeah, you have exactly. your own crew. It's you're not just like that guy sucks. Like fuck him. You know, like we're not going to associate with. Oh him my at god. All. Yeah, yeah and then bad. we'll have like group chats about that person or what, you <laughs> oh, know whatever. Yeah. They'll be the subject of the group chat, but uh, it's not you and another person for three days. I don't know how long you guys go out on the road. Yeah, for I mean the longest time. I was out was probably like four days with him. Like we yeah. did like this little tour from um, like Carolinas down to Florida to. Uh, Alabama up to Nashville. That was so fun because, like, I was doing, like, um, four minutes a night at open mics to no audiences, and then all of a sudden I'm doing, like, four shows a weekend to 250 people each show. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I'm, like, a year in, like, I'm doing some crazy jokes. Like, I'm doing jokes that I will never say again, but I'm doing them to, like, strangers as this opener, and, like, they're kind of working. Yeah. They're not working in a great way, but they're kind of working, like... It was so, so fun. It was worth all the, you know, difficulty. I remember, like, leaning. I Like, he would smoke cigars in the car, and I would have, like, my little window cracked, and I would, like, lean this way and just go, <laughs> while he's like, I'm Elvis, huh? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You're yeah, fucking yeah. Elvis, dog. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's fucking just doing whatever to survive. And, like, so grateful. And the whole time I'm getting those opportunities, the local scene is like, fuck Thomas. Like, yeah. because I was getting opportunities. I was, like, getting shows and shit, and it made me better. Like, you, you, it's, stage time is the thing that feeds you. It's like, it's like rare candy in Pokemon. Like, it's how you level up. Well, so why haven't you guys, like, made your own nights? Why um some people are doing it um what do you mean make our own nights okay like, so like for instance shows? if there was nowhere for us to play if we needed to play we would just bombard a venue yeah 
and book bands like you know we'll play at places like that bar like twin kegs or whatever we don't i mean you know we'll go play wherever yeah it's a it's an interesting challenge because um there's two different things that you could and probably should be doing one is an open mic and another is a book showcase and a book showcase is an easier sell where you say all right we're gonna have six people on to do 10 minutes each and we're gonna try and get a crowd out for that um but you're going to do the same 10 minutes two weeks in a row yeah, at this yeah. showcase? Yeah. Or or do you want a place where it's an open mic, where it's like there's going to be some homeless people saying some words for a little while? You know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> I guess there also is the thing with what we do with metal, which I can't speak to pop and all of the other stuff, but there is an underground scene. Like we can get people to yeah. come out to a metal show just yeah, because yeah. it's a metal show. Yeah. Does that exist in comedy? Um, not in an indie way. Um, like there's a couple people who are like kind of good producers, good bookers. There's a lot of shows that don't get a lot of attendance. And like I used to, I used to book shows at Third Coast Comedy Club and I sold out, uh, two of the three shows that I had put together there. And then the third show was like, dog shit. It was like during some big sports match or something. But um, I I remember being like, dude, I don't want to bomb a show. Like, I don't want to have a fourth show and no one show up. And so I paused it, and was like, I gotta I gotta find the perfect mix where something can get hot, because it's a lot of work, it's a lot of energy. Um, the Friday show a buddy of mine started. It's at a place called Grandpa Bar. It's Fridays at six p.m. But um, it's uh, at Grandpa Bar and. Grandpa Bar is attached to this apartment complex, and it's early on a Friday, so people, like, kind of naturally come there to drink a little bit before they go do their other thing. And it's been almost sold out <laughs> each time. Wow. And That's it's, here? Yeah. Should, yeah. Yeah, what part yeah. of Nashville is that in? It's, at, uh, near, it's in Marathon Village, so kind of, like, right by Marathon Music yeah. Works. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. It's a great location. We want, we're going Okay, to that please. For sure. I'm, so I'm doing a show there tomorrow. Um, which I guess this is live. So if anyone wants to come out to that, um, someone in the chat, uh, <coughs> recognized you, called you out. Oh, did they say I'm a gay guy? No, <laughs> no. They knew, they know where you work. Nadine's. They said Are fat bites guy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of fat bites. Oh, <laughs> uh, fat bites is this grungy little bar where sex crimes happen. It's in but, uh, old hickory. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right? They don't, huh? It's in old hickory. Right? It's in Donaldson. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's right by my house, so that's like the place after an open mic. I'll be drunk and like, like one more beer, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, they have pretty good food. No, someone was like, "Dude, it's sick. You have this guy on. He's the guy from Fat Bites." <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Like, <laughs> Wait, you got? <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Do you still work there? I never worked there. Oh, okay. No, You're just person, the guy who goes yeah. to okay. Fat Bites. I just assumed you worked there, but he just said Fat Bites. <laughs> well, I know because I heard, I've listened to your podcast quite a bit now. There are nine episodes of it, right? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> there, there are about nine or ten, I think, if I'm right. But you talk about, you're a waiter. Yeah, I'm a server. I love it so much. Where are, where are you a I'm a server? server at a place called Nadine's uh, here in town. It's like a diner. It's really like, the food's really good. It's like biscuits and gravy, chicken and waffles sort of shit. Like good egg dishes. Ash browns, cinnamon rolls sometimes. But uh, everyone gets fucked I'm up hungry. there. Everyone gets drunk. It's like you're drinking Bloody Marys and mimosas, and usually sports is playing, and we have a lot of regulars, and 
it's so fun. Like, I'll get, like, a six top of, like, people who just, they party the night before. They're just here for brunch, and they keep the party going. And you're just doing stand-up to them. You're like, hey, guys, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, like, dude, I, like, the type of interactions you can sometimes end up having is, like, where you'll be so insulting to the whole table. You're like, you dum-dums. And they're just like, oh, <laughs> it's so much fun. But, like, you're just playing with the energy of it. And then, like, sometimes you'll get, like, this, like, I love the challenge. Like, uh, w sometimes this guy will come in, and he's, like, uh, he always wants a PBR, and he wants a biscuit with butter. And then in about 15 minutes, he's going to want another PBR. And then 10 minutes after that, he's going to want extra crispy wings with a dry rub on the side with a side of ranch and Ringo sauce. And Ringo it's just sauce. Ringo, Ooh, that dude, sounds, fucking Ringo sounds sauce. Good. I get the I like Ringo sauce. sauce is good. Yeah. Woo. Jenny loves her some sauce. I love sauce. You're a saucy gal? Yeah. I love saucy. She's like good. five sauces. Yeah. I like, I'm a condiment kind of guy myself. Like, I like good ranch or honey mustard. But, um, thin ranch. Not like, Hidden Valley. No, of course not. Ken's is pretty good. Ken's is that the is that a packet? I don't know Ken's. I don't know. It's I just know that at one of one of the places I used to work, they served Ken's, and I was really into the ranch. Okay, there. I like <laughs> I like a thin ranch. Yeah, thin, thin western ranch is like thin and watery thin ranch and very dilly. It like dilly. It's like y'all like buttermilk. Butter yeah, 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 like buttermilk ranch. Be yeah. People will Sharper. come at me. Yeah, people will come at me with Hidden Valley, and I'm like, you're not. A ranch connoisseur, obviously, I'm if you're so talking surprised. about Hidden Valley. I'm so surprised that this went to ranch. <laughs> <laughs> like, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense, but it's also... You thought it would go to, to babies strong. and yeah. sacrificial stuff and yeah. to Satan, it's and then it went to ranch. Ah, uh, dude, I wish... <laughs> I want to. I'm. I want to go to a Satan party one time. We'll take like, you to a metal show. You guys. <laughs> I want to go to like a Satanist like ritual or like a. Yeah. As long as they're not actually killing babies. I don't think they actually do they that. They don't actually kill babies. No, yeah. of course not. I've been reading the Satanic Bible do. actually. Really? Yeah. Is it pretty cool? It's actually really cool. Who's the Nephilim or what's his name? Both the, uh, the goat god. Anton. No. Uh, Baphomet. Ba Baphomet. That Baphomet. motherfucker rules. Yeah, I yeah, love he's that. Hella I cool. love Baphomet. He's all I over merch. Yeah. 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 Well, like that sort of imagery is so prominent in metal. Yes. That yes. Re and recently, I'm like, what's up satanic. with this satanic shit? I'm going to fucking look into it. And I'm like, it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the <laughs> thing about Satanism is that it's all about like free will. Well, it's all about taking control of your own life. Yes. Whereas yeah. religions. A thing that I dislike about a lot of religions, yeah. you yeah. give it away and you're you're putting the blame on someone else and Very flaccid. It yeah, yeah. yeah, you're So it's pretty antithetical to like the popular religions which say like you know, you're just a meat shell and you should give up this life to go to heaven or, or whatever. Yeah. And be subservient. It's not but, a very but the Satanism party. approach is like there is nothing else. This is what we got. Like you're in heaven. Like you need to use or your hell. will to like make your life sick yeah i like that and they also yeah. have orgies which is pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah right? so they say like you should just indulge in the things that are natural to you so like yeah, if yeah. you're an orgy guy you should be doing orgies yeah and if you want to be married then you should probably Where? be married which is like who i mean i i agree with, with that you know yeah, like that's not each person has to determine what is right for their own yeah. life whereas you know, other and how they're gonna thrive instead of feeling guilt for whatever you're into and then the repression result, you know, it results in like, well, I mean, we see it in society play out. I think about that all mm -hmm. the time. The idea of the repression, like, um, 
Um, a lot of I grew up Christian, so there was an immense amount of like repression. Strictly Christian, like strict Christian. Yeah, what kind? We have, a, we have a resident uh, Christian called Harrison. 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 You fucking sicko. <laughs> <laughs> you no, no, fucking he, he grew up in a Christian. Yeah. Uh, you what? left it though. You found the way out. Yeah. Well, he's into metal now. <laughs> yeah. We do have Christian metal though, so that's a yeah. whole nother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's some of super it's pretty sick, good, dude. dude. Yeah, some I'm of it's sure. Pretty like, sick. Musically, like someone who would be a Christian and metalhead probably could be very technically proficient, but it's just like a weird. It's like Christian mix. comedy, probably. It's like sugar-free desserts. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I get it. It's good. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> Fine. It's not. Sinful. No, yeah. I don't want to be sick afterwards. <laughs> but what kind of Christian? I grew up a uh, something called Church of Christ. So it was. Um, Harrison, are you familiar? No. Okay. 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 So uh, two. Harrison things. doesn't recognize this. Yeah. yeah so is it real Christian? Yeah, we don't. Real don't yuck my yum, bro. <laughs> um, so Church of Christ was like really conservative. Like um, women couldn't uh, have any sort of position in the church. We didn't have instruments in worship. We thought all the other religious groups were going to hell. Like if right. you were Baptist, oh. you were like misguided. Right. And it was very conservative and right. like very So like every fearful. other religion pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, we were very, yeah. But um, before that though, I grew up um, like almost like um, Pentecostal. My mom, my biological, I was adopted into the Church of Christ family and was kind of going to that church for a little while before that, but my like root roots were like Pentecostal where my mom would like put uh, Bible verses all over the walls and like would like anoint us and like would talk about demons and shit. I remember oh, being wow. so scared. That's probably why I was a little afraid of like metal. Was, yeah, like, yeah. I was going to, yeah, I was taught that they were like, they were conjuring the evil spirits that when I went to bed at night, I was like, I'm pretty sure I saw one, you know, like yeah, I was yeah. very, wow. yeah. Well, Christians great. did the same thing to scientists. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah. Science is terrifying. I, re- I read that in the, in the satanic Bible. Bible. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did it say? Well, it's like saying the, the idea of Satan, like what that is, like uh-huh. they made up the idea that it's like this devil guy with, with horns or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's in the same way that they demonize the concept of like being an adversary, like being your own, power yeah they demonized that concept in the same way that you know 200 years ago they would say somebody who was into science was a witch and you know yeah or whatever. yeah so it's kind of uh it just still ha- according to the satanists it has the same connotations as what that might have had to 200 I'm, years ago it's i'm just, so we're fascinated. not there yet i'm so fascinated yeah. about i've seen about that today of like how like um how even the most rational people groups will have like deeply irrational beliefs. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's like you could see some guy be like, like making a, a speech about like by all, like back in the day about like, like vaccines and like pathology and like bacteria and viruses and shit. And like, and he's like, is at the end of this like deeply informative and enlightened scientific talk, and at the end he goes, and for that reason we should burn the witch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, what? Yeah. wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, how'd you get there? You yeah, know, and like, I mean, everyone has that. Definitely, I find that like you have to check yourself on that kind of kind of stuff. Like, Always. Oh, am I believing in something? 
that's like totally fucked. But you got to find a balance because yeah. like th- to overly question is like neurotic. Yeah, 100%. there's nothing more flaccid than neurotic. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I would rather someone like ruin their lives and end up in jail than like a neurotic guy who can't decide yeah. anything. Well, I was actually thinking about that. Exa- <laughs> I was actually well, no, no, not that. But I was no, thinking just, about just to, just for the response to be. I was actually thinking about that. <laughs> it's hilarious. That's I so was funny. thinking about how you can't be overly. Uh, logical and rational because then your life would probably suck like to to be to take the leap to be uh, i'm gonna be a comedian i'm gonna be the one out of a million comedians that does it for a living totally irrational what a haunt yeah and the same with like you know i'm telling my mom when i'm like 12 like i'm I'm gonna be actually uh, i'm not gonna ever do anything with my life other than be a death metal drummer you know and it's like (laughs) you have to if I was to just be purely logical and like work out the equations and like look at the evidence, it's like, I'm never doing that, you know, but that is something that I was so attracted to that I'm just like, I don't fucking care what happens. I'm going to do that. And I think like, I guess that's the level of like faith that I think is appropriate to have in one's life. I love that. I love that. I love, I love, like I've thought about that a lot. It's like, um, when you, when you make a choice to step in a certain direction, all of life responds and creates the path that you walk. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, whether you, and that's the danger of manifestation is like, you can be like, yeah, I'm, I can teleport things. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Okay, God <laughs> damn, that's scary you think that. But like, <laughs> for, the mo- for the most part, like, when you orient yourself a certain way, when you put yourself and all it, all you're doing is like training your perspective. Like you're training your perspective to see. It's like, I have friends who see four, four, four everywhere. And it's like, they see it all the time. Like they're always posting. I'm like, how do you catch it that often? <laughs> like, and, but like, like what you see is what you're open to. And what you're open to is what you become. And like, yeah. so there's a certain like idea that like, because you said that that one morning to your mom or whatever, it's like you kind of like moved just even an inch towards that, and now there's this gravity pulling you deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah, and deeper. absolutely. And like, and then <laughs> eventually you'll look back and you're like, of course, this is so natural to who I am. Yeah. But it's like that's what you became along the way. Yeah. And that's like both. That's what I said at that quote of like, like if you know what you're going to be, invariably you'll become it, and that's the curse. And if you never know, and if you move around, like you'll never become anything, and that's a blessing. And mm-hmm. so it's like in that whole process, like just try and hold it like as loosely as you can. I, I don't know. I yeah, I get it. I, I get I it. And like I think, I uh, yeah. So I think for people that are overly rational or overly logical, like sometimes you have to just say, like, I'm I'm gonna be this thing. But in the process, it's you kind of get an identity you know yeah because it's like like for me and cheney and like harrison like literally everybody i know is because of this like journey that i went on yes and that's beautiful yeah and like so and i always say especially on the podcast i always say like what we've done musically and like career wise whatever is like totally secondary to the life that i've got out of it yeah and it's like yeah i just i i just any any scene you go into, you're gonna get that, you know. Yeah. And like, um, humans are very uh, pack animals, so it's like 
getting that human connection is like way better than all the rest of it. Yeah. I feel that with the, with the open mic scene and like comedy in general, it's like the whole thing is fun. Like I always say this yeah. is like, even when it's bad, it's good. I said that too. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. even when like pizza. Like tonight sucked. Yeah. It's exactly <laughs> like pizza. Life is pizza. <laughs> Sex yeah. is pizza. You're talking to a guy who's got multiple pizza tattoos. So. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> pizza, pizza. But yeah, yeah, that's, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, it sounds like woo woo or spiritual or whatever the fuck, but like, I feel so much gratitude for like just the unfolding of it all. And like, the, the more yeah. unattached you can be, the more full of love you can be, the more full of wonder and awe and gratitude, like, the richer the unfolding. I was just, I it, this is why I'm in this mode. Uh, one of my buddies <laughs> posted the David Foster Wallace, David Wallace Foster. Is. He wrote uh, Infinite Jest, but he has this talk called, uh, it's a commencement speech called This is Water. Have you heard that at all? Mm -hmm. I'll no. send it to you guys afterwards. Yeah, please do. Um, there's probably Link that, in description. Yeah. But uh, it's this commencement speech where he talks about, um, like, uh, you'll go throughout life you students never have known the tedium of life. The tedium of life is found when you're 40 years old and you're going to the grocery store because you have to, after a long work week, you realize you have no groceries at the house and you can't go out to eat again, so you have to go get your groceries. And on the way, all rush hour is in the way to this grocery store. You get there and there's a long line because everyone else has foregone, for, foregone their groceries and you it out and you get it scanned by this woman who's moving so slow and then you get in your car and there's this huge gas guzzling suv blocking your exit and just uh, this is day after week after month after year and this is the life that you realize that you have and then he says but i encourage you to suspend your certainty that that's what it is and instead be filled with wonder at the unfolding of everything that like maybe the man in the SUV uh, was in a terrible car crash and he's terrified to go out and the SUV is the only way he feels safe in this world. Maybe the lifeless woman who's scanning your groceries is on this journey of the most tedious life you can imagine and, and you should have such gratitude that you don't have to live that way, you know. And it's just this like shift in perspective about like how... And the the way the whole speech starts is like there's a story about like these two young fish are swimming in this in this lake and an old fish passes by and goes, uh, man, isn't the water nice today? And the two fi baby fish, the adolescent fish look at each other and they go, what the hell is water? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just, just remember it's all water, that this is water, this is water, this is water. Because it's like there's so much stress. Like I... I because we have the internet, we, we have windows into a million different creatives, a million different egos saying, I'm going to be great, and most of them are not. <laughs> like, that's just the reality. <laughs> most of them are pretending at it, and they feel, and the pretending is that pressure, is that fucking, whatever that thing is that's like, I have to do this or else. Yeah, because yeah. I've said I'm yeah, going to yeah. do it, I have to do it or else. And like, mm -hmm. like, yeah, maybe you might do it, but either way, you're not going to enjoy yourself. Yeah. The best way is to like love what you're doing and be aware in it and let time move slowly and drink it in. I agree. I think people fold under that pressure as well. Like you'll yeah. see 
I mean, with the posting videos on the internet thing, people start to view it as something that they're forced to do, or so they just weird. view it as that from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Naveen and I will talk to each other about this, like even with making videos, even though that's totally like not really a part of what we signed up for, you just have to tell yourself, even if you don't love it, tell yourself you love the process because that's the only way that you're going to be able to see yourself doing that for years and years to come yeah. is to tell yourself you love it and then fall in love with it. Yeah. Even if you don't from the beginning, because if you don't love something, you're going to view it as a burden and you're going to stop. So you'll see people make a ton of videos. They might even go vi viral, but they don't love doing it. Yeah. So they stop and it stops the momentum, yeah. but you don't want that to happen. You just want to be in love with, be in love with the process. Yeah, That's and, really and, it. And I think like whatever you find, like you have to find what that love is, and like hopefully you're not doing something where you're like, God damn it, I gotta do this. Like, yeah, yeah. You shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. As a comedian, I feel uh, aware of a pressure to do sketches. I feel aware of a pressure to um, be funny on the internet. Like, feel a pressure to to be funny on a podcast. Like, those little things cross. And if I'm Anytime I'm on a podcast and I'm thinking I better be funny, I'm not fucking funny. Yeah, 100%. I'm not fucking funny. Totally. So it's like, it's like the pressure works against you and it's forcing a truthfulness in all of it. So if you have to post videos because like the industry demands it or whatever, hopefully there's like one aspect or facet of it that you're like, I really actually like editing. Yeah, yeah find something And then just be the editor on the video. Yeah, yeah, and like, find absolutely. something you love about it. Find something you love. 100%. That's what's so cool about all of this stuff, even though none of it is stuff we signed up for. You know, when I started screaming, I wasn't like, well, I'm going to make a podcast one day and then I'm going to love that. There are things you find to love along the way and they help you with other things. So because of the podcast, now we know a bunch of stuff about videography. Yeah. We know more about photography. We yeah. know a lot about lighting. Lighting is good on this. Y'all did a good job. <laughs> Thanks, <man. laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank but you know, you, you it's Amazon.com. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> 50 bucks. But that, that is one of the things like, even if you don't love something at first, it can unfold things that you do love if you just stick with yeah, it I, a I remember, little bit i remember like and, and like a lot of times when i talk to people that find out i do stand up they're like how'd you get into stand up and uh it's not like that i was like i was four years old i wanted to do stand up it's not i didn't feel that way towards it i always felt drawn to irreverence I've, i always felt drawn to language i felt drawn to um humor I never saw myself doing it. Like, I arrived at the idea of, well, I could try that and do that through the pursuit of, like, trying to express myself. Like, I, I was very into philosophy for a while. I wanted to, like, find um, truth. And in the pursuit of truth, I was like, well, it's really just all aesthetic. It's how things, the integrity of the experience of something. You walk into a home and there's a nice table and good couch and like these really cool soft lamps and the smell of incense you're like oh my god this is a good spot yeah, yeah. like the aesthetic of things and then i was Thank like you, by the way oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was picturing my own home actually you fucking there's a cat box right here <laughs> actually that's it normally is it's normally right there. we take it out when guests come over we do for here. the podcast we clean every week. but my point is like um like i i always wanted to express something i really cared like i grew up around a lot of pain and a lot of shadow and a lot of darkness and 
I'm attuned to that. And I feel like the way through to connection is through softening the experience. And we live in this like hyper-connected world where everyone's at, at each other's throats and everything's so serious. Everyone has to figure it out. I got to figure out how to be. We have yeah, to figure yeah. out what's right yeah. about Israel. We got to figure it out. We got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. And it's like, like I, in my, like I, I did pottery for a while. I did woodworking. I studied acting. I studied directing. I studied film and video and all that shit. And it's like, it's all in the pursuit of like saying something. And then I ch- went to an open mic at stand up and I was like, I could just go up there and say it. All the shit I'm doing to say it, I could just say it. Like I could, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could just get into the mode of talking and then and then it taught me everything. It was like it was it was not that I knew I wanted to speak Japanese. It's that I listened to Japanese and I was like, that's so beautiful. And then I was like, I want to learn Japanese so that I could speak beautifully. And that's what stand-up was. And then, like, now it's three years in, and I'm like, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. And, like, so many people live their whole lives not finding something that they love. That's insane. Yeah, it's insane to me. Yeah, I'm so grateful. So the whole thing is gravy. The whole thing is extra. Like, like Bill Burr had this to say, and and we should probably close it at that. But... um, (laughs) So I have to pee again. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Swords. Like, Bill Burr had this thing to say where, like, um, he, he worked this, like, shitty, like, like uh, sandwich job or something, and he had to drive, like, 40 minutes to this gig, and he went and did this gig for $15, and he had a set, and one of his jokes he was working on finally worked the way he wanted it to. And he came back, and, and he said, that night fueled me for six weeks. He goes, I went to my shitty little job smiling and whistling because I, I knew I was doing something that I loved. And his girlfriend saw it. His girlfriend was like, you, you do all this work just to have that one night, and you're so happy. You're so inspired. And it's like, that's the whole thing. That's the whole fucking thing because so many people end up successful, and they've never felt that feeling. Yeah, I would yeah. rather yeah. feel that feeling the rest of my goddamn life and never make any money from it. 100%. So, and, and that's how I know I'll be okay. Yeah. Isn't that the weird irony? Is yeah, like, that's it's how armor. you know you're okay. Armor. It's, it's armor. like I'm good to go because yeah. I got my thing that it feels I can sustain myself off of no matter what happens. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. It's machine. absolutely beautiful. Uh, before right, we go, we'll leave it there. plug all your stuff. Tell yeah. everyone where okay. to check you out. So I'm Thomas Leon. Um, my Instagram is probably the most important one. It's Thomas Leon Comedy. Um, Catch them at Fat Bites. Your podcast. Yes, yeah, I, <laughs> I run a podcast with a, a a much more advanced comic than I right now. Um, AJ Wilkerson. He's been out with Burt Kreischer, and um, he shakes on stage, and he has autism and ADHD, and <laughs> a couple of other viruses. But uh, he, uh, <laughs> he's so fucking funny, and he, I, and a new comic to town, Sydney Stevens. Uh, run this podcast. We've had uh, famous Austin comics on. We've had a porn star. Um, we've had local comics here in town. It's so fun. Um, so tune into that. That's called What in Tardation we'll on YouTube. We'll yeah, it. we'll link it. It's really yeah. good. I've listened to so almost fun. every episode at this point. It's so, so fun, and, and I'm so grateful that we get to do that. And then uh, I'm just in town doing shows. So if you follow my Instagram, I'll post all the shows that I'm doing. So if you want to come out and... I'm a decent comic, but there are so many really, really good ones. So if you like comedy at all and you thought, like, oh, I want to see Thomas 
you could come out and watch me, but you'll get plugged into like like the larger scene, and there's really good. Look at that stuff humble too, happening. humble guy right there. <laughs> I ju- I mean it. Ha <laughs> 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 ha! I'm funny. He's, one. he's, hum- he's humble yeah. for the like love that. of it. I know that you're gonna come out for me, but it's like the second time you're seeing me. I heard that joke. So there's like there's a lot of good comics in town too. So come out to that. All right, Wonderful. Well, uh, all right, check all we'll that stuff out. Probably hang in the post show. Yes. I don't know. Are you gonna hang for a minute in the post? I'm actually supposed to. I gotta. Yeah, I'll hang for a little bit. All right, no problem. Right. Yeah, yeah, even matter. if you have to go, go. Go do okay. a set or whatever. Either way, we'll be here hanging. Yeah. We'll All right, everyone. Have week. a great week. We love you guys. Thanks for hanging. Peace. Bye. Yeah, I got to piss again, and then I'm supposed to do something.